Sam, it's over. They're coming. Yes, I know. Yeah, the cops are coming to kick us out for not paying for this mansion. Yeah, again, I know. Why did we buy a mansion when we make absolutely no money on this podcast? What are we going to do? Oh, I know what we're going to do. I've been planning this out for weeks. Does it have anything to do with that wall of security monitors behind you? Ah, I see you know. Uh, no. Well, Kreider certainly knows what's going on, don't you? No, I am equally lost, but more concerned. Sure you are. Briggs, you're our best fighter. My sure heart out. Ooh, I'll get my music. We're gonna beat the shit out of him. Did your cop bodies tell you that? I saw you talking to your brother outside. Okay, one, don't have a brother. Two, not me. That's the foreclosure agent and the mailman. Not every bald guy is me. I've had it up to here with your bald shit. <sighs> Guys, I totally failed. They thrashed way too hard for me. Briggs, hold Kreider down. He's been talking to the cops. Uh, I think you're confusing him for the mailman again. These cameras have made you way too paranoid, Sam. It's not healthy. It's also not financially sound. We should have totally made a payment with what that cost. I'm sorry, guys. I've just been so tired. And I've had a lot of these wine tumblers. Am I smart? No. (laughs) Fuck the cops! Fine, let him take me. Feeling really woozy here. Some movies make you feel good. Some movies make you sick. But the best movies come in threes. Baby, let's take a trip tick. So, you know, it's uh, I think that they always say that violence solve, doesn't solve anything. But um, I just think that if that's the case, you're not doing it right. You're just wrong. You're just wrong. I'm Christopher Kreider. I'm Chris Briggs. And I'm Sam Sterling. We're triptych. <laughs> For uh, reasons unknown, we are currently recording from a holding cell. Very nice of them to give us this podcast equipment. <laughs> well, we're on Star Island. Guys, they call it Trip Dick. <laughs> How stupid is that? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds concerning. <laughs> It's almost as stupid as like a form of fighting where you just have to be all rubbery rather than just hit people. Yeah, and you know, I do wonder about the effectiveness, but um, you know, it looks like it would hurt. What are we talking Tripping about? Tripping over your dick? No, pencaxalot. Ah, we're talking about sealot. Oh, yeah. Sealot. It's it- a martial art. In all of our concern of being raided, we watch the Gareth Evans trilogy of his C-Lot action films, guys. It's not an official trilogy, nor is it even an unofficial trilogy. We just curated it for the purposes of this podcast because they're the three movies that uh, British filmmaker Gareth Evans made. What? Welsh director. Welsh. Okay, so, yeah. I, I guess. Tomato, tomato. Gareth Evans traveled traveled a long way to Indonesia. He filmed a documentary about this martial art form, Silat, and while he was there, met a Silat martial artist, Iwo Uwais. Iko Uwais, yeah. Iko Uwais. Yeah. Please don't kick my ass for mispronouncing your name. Um, but uh, And they made three movies together, high, highlighting this uh, form of martial arts and... Uh, they're fucking awesome movies, so we just decided to cram them all together as one trilogy for you guys. Now, they're not an official trilogy, but they do have a lot of ties, both thematic and like 
references. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting, actually. We'll get into each one, but uh, it, it it's really interesting how some parts from the first will show up in the third. Marantau is a spiritual prequel, if not an actual prequel. Yeah. Because <laughs> it sets the tone for the next two movies in a lot of ways. Now, had, now you had this on DVD, Kreider. Had you ever seen uh, Marantau before this? No, and the only reason I knew about it initially was in the commentary for The Raid... He was pointing out all the connections to Marantau. Oh, okay. Interesting. So he was like, oh, so here's the actor who played, um, you know, Eco's brother in Marantau. So I brought him back to play the, you know, the guy who plays the father in the raid, played the, um, the, I don't, I don't want to say sensei, the, the teacher in Marantau. You could probably say sensei. Huh. I don't, well, that's oh, Japanese let's though. That's oh, different. true. Yeah. It's literally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Man, but, um, this is usually Kreider's job to fuck up to like be that. racist. <laughs> See, I wasn't gonna say that, but okay. No, uh, we never got the third, the raid, even though apparently there was a planned third one. What were they thinking of doing for the third one? I just, I guess he just keeps going, dude. I don't know. <laughs> Space? I don't yeah. know, dude. It's like yeah. the first raid, he fights a whole building. The second one, he fights the world. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it was all Yakuza and the Jakarta mob. We never actually got to see the triad, even though Ooh. they're alluded to. Yeah, they are alluded cool. to. Yeah, and you know, there's like a whole, there's, there's always more bad guys. I could maybe see them doing almost like a Frank Castle Punisher thing, where maybe they do finally go after his family, so he's just like, I'm going to murder everyone in the fucking world. Well, that's why, you know, you could do a sequel anytime, really. You know? Yeah. Like if he just ages a couple years and just grows a beard. You yeah, know, and he's chopping wood or something. You know, like at the yeah. end, at the end at the end of the second one, he's like, "I'm out," and it's like, "No, you're not. Not not if Hollywood has anything to say about it." So uh, yeah, <laughs> really quick, the three movies. If we didn't say them clearly enough, it's Marantau, the director's first action film. Uh, then there's the Raid, the big classic that came on over as well into the states, which and, for some reason was titled the Raid Redemption here in the states. I don't know why. Yeah, and I think that um, I think there was another movie called The Raid. Then mm. that's why it was just like they just had to add something. Oh, interesting. It's like how that band Fun has like a period. It's because there's a Swedish metal band called Fun without a period. Yeah, is there? I don't know if it's Swedish. Well, they're not as finally unfun, but then finally the raid two, and um, another. So yeah, the reoccurring things are we had a the main actor Iko Uais, Uais, and we also have a heavy reoccurring played by Yayan Ruyan. In the first one, he plays just sort of a generic heavy who's like, kind of on a parallel journey to our hero, and then in the second and third one, he plays like an actual hitman character. Oh, you're talking about Mad Dog's actor. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. I looked up his actual name to be respectful. Ah. Just because they're hard to pronounce doesn't mean they don't deserve to be shouted out. Especially Yayan Ruyan. He's yeah. in uh, Yakuza Apocalypse, which is fucking amazing. He's in John Wick 3, which is also really oh. cool. He fights John Wick. And of course, he's in the Hollywood masterpiece, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Oh, With yeah. Iko Uias. Yeah. True, where true. They, where they do next to nothing and then die and we never see him again. But that's... Uh, what a fucking waste. I mean, maybe one day we'll do an episode about Star Wars. I don't know. So this just brings me to a theme, not in the movie, but throughout our watching of the movies. So, Sealot, we question its practicality in a real fight, but one thing we won't question is that it looks 
fucking cool. And so one thing that we kept that kept coming up throughout <laughs> watching these three movies is we kept thinking of other movies that could be made cooler with the addition of Sealot. Hell yeah. Imagine if in Force Awakens they start trying to fight Han Solo and Chewie to keep them from leaving and they just bust out some fucking Star Wars space sea lot. How awesome would that have been? No, and you know, they had Donnie Yen doing some space martial arts in Rogue One, so it's not actually that hard to do. It's not that hard to justify. Yeah, I'm yeah. with the Force and the Forces would be. Dude, Donnie Yen in Rogue One is my favorite Star Wars dude. Certainly up there. He's the blonde, blind one. No, I, I know. He's blind the and hanger, blonde. The hanger-on. He's blind? What? What? He's blind? He, the hanger-oner with the Force. He's blind? Are yeah. you sure? Wait, who again? Donnie the blind Yen. one? In yeah. Rogue One. Wait, what? Really? Who? What movie? <laughs> no, I'm so to- I'm totally lost. I haven't watched this. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be. <laughs> no, are you are you joking around? Yes, I'm joking. Okay, around. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait, no. Why am I sorry? You. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, so this was a first time watch for Morantal for all three of us, but all three of us did see both raid movies as they came out in the theater. I oh, believe. What a yeah. time that was to see them in theaters. I think the second one, especially I haven't seen since I saw it in theaters. Yeah, I, re- I remember, I can't remember if he was with us for the first one, but I remember we had Floyd with us for the raid two. And yeah, no, and it was, um, it was cool because Cinemark, you know, they always have those smaller theaters. Yeah. So it's like you go there thinking it's going to be like an art house thing and it's all these art house trailers. Yeah. And, and then, then the just, raid plays. And then the raid happens, which is just the most grungy. <laughs> that's like, fuck Grindhouse. You know, that's a real Grindhouse movie. <laughs> that's, that's like made for no money with like recycled sets and all this shit. They're using airsoft rifles. Like the raid is They're using special. airsoft rifles. Yeah. Holy shit, that's awesome. That's how you Damn. can do a SWAT team, you know, for like less than $50,000. Air, air, airsoft and sound design. No, and even in the raid, too, there's a lot of airsoft, which is like, I wonder if that's just a thing with like, it's just harder to get real guns in Indonesia. Hmm. Well, that, and I'd imagine international airsoft guns are probably way more realistic looking than what we can get here in America. True that. And, um, yeah, it's like that does happen. It's like if you watch uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, there's a scene where like he's using fake guns because they couldn't get the real guns shipped into Mexico in time. Mm. And you know, as we're seeing with you know the whole thing that happened on Rust, like using real guns is very dangerous. Yeah, yeah. it is. So like, I would rather just CGI it later and have like a plastic gun. Yeah, yeah. as long as it moves and does the function, I yeah, feel it, like it's fine. And honestly, especially like if you have like some gas airsoft guns that give you that blowback, you know, so. No, and it's cool because like even then you still got to be careful because you know. Well, I'm saying I'm saying in that sense to give it kind of like that more real, like you are holding a real gun, you know, like even if it's not loaded, it'll still kick well, like you're firing a real gun. Yeah, but you also got to be careful and make sure there's still nothing in that barrel. Oh yeah, still project. Yeah, no, you could still take an eye out, but yeah, you shoot be your harder eye to, out, kid. <laughs> be harder to kill your cinematographer. Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe they're gonna finish that movie. Oh, that's right. What they else are they gonna do with it? Just don't release it. They did it to Batgirl and nobody died. They're going to murder the rest of the crew. That's what they're going to do. I know. I'm like, can you imagine being the cinematographer on the rest of that movie just the whole time you're like... Alec Baldwin just comes up. "Ah!" (laughs) They're going to Capricorn one, everybody. (laughs) But uh, you know who didn't kill anyone on his set, though? On any of them? Gareth fucking Evans. I don't think we could 
I don't know if that's true for sure. I mean, I'm not saying he did. <laughs> some, but of the, like, some of these guys get really fucked up on these movies. They're <laughs> filming in Indonesia. You know, the, I don't think these are SAG actors. <laughs> yeah, watching these movies, there's a lot of people that just get absolutely fucked. Especially, in my opinion, Marantau more so than that. Marantau has probably arguably more spinal damage because yes. <laughs> he doesn't kill in Maranto. he just kind of leaves them crippled for he life just, like yeah it's like you'll like, never walk you're, again. Out, you're gonna have a bad time <laughs> it's just like a whole alleyway of homeless guys who have been just like yeah i lost my job after he ripped my spine out and was like <laughs> you get to live though you call this living batman <laughs> uh, yeah no these are still very entertaining they have some so we watched these with subs instead of dubs, you know, to be real, yo. Uh, but sometimes that can be a little bit hard to do when we're doing the subs because dialogue can move by real, real fast on these. Especially the first and the last movie. There's some serious fine line details that you need to like keep an eye out for and read fast. They, they no, talk no. so fast over there. So yeah, it's, it's kind of like how do the subtitles even keep up with it? But I still soldier on through the subs just because especially in the first one the first raid i don't like the dubbing like at all well, <laughs> it's not good it's not even good in a funny way yeah if, it, if more if they were more like akira or like old godzilla films i think we'd all have more fun you know it's funny it's like i have an akira dvd where you can make the choice it's like okay you can watch this new dub that we did that we worked really hard on or you can watch the old Tetsuo dub. Tetsuo. Yeah. Tetsuo. These guys weren't much of a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, Rama. Get that back door. Keep them back. <laughs> yeah. I want more bad dubbing. <laughs> but bad in a good way, not bad in a distracting way. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, Rikio has some of my favorite dubbing. Oh, oh Rikio yeah, is real. so great. Because it's just like they clearly had no idea what the original dialogue was, so we'll they just t- we'll, have this weird. You know, stick stick a pin in that. We'll come back to Rikio when we start talking raid two. I'm sure. <laughs> oh yeah. No, and these these kind of run the gamut of like very interesting influences from early Jackie Chan, like Police Story era, early John Carpenter, Assault on Precinct Thirteen, Halloween, Escape from New York era, and um, certainly uh, by the time we get to the third one it's got a lot of martin scorsese yeah martin scorsese and also coppola i'd say oh yeah a little bit of, yeah a little bit coppola. It's, kind of, it's not so it's it's got that scumbag feel of criminals but it's more so the like shakespearean criminal story. and then and then you have these incongruent elements like the hammer girl and the bat boy which are very takashi mckay yeah exactly <laughs> takashi mckay's yakuza movies are always patently insane <laughs> uh, dead or alive dead or alive uh birds yeah no uh, yakuza apocalypse i uh, once again just to bring it up because the same actors in it amazing fucking movie that's the one where there's the frog guy <laughs> oh yes nice I still need to see that one. It looks insane. Uh, Takashi McKay trilogy, the only definitive trilogy he's done is the Dead or Alive trilogy, which are three movies about like the Yakuza, but it's the same actors in different storylines each time. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's very cool. But uh, yeah, we're not talking about Takashi McKay. We're talking about Gareth Evans' The Raid. <laughs> but uh, Marantau has uh, got a little bit of Terrence Malick in there. A yeah, it does. It's yeah. like the nature stuff is really nice in there. And you know, you really, I don't know, you got to hand it to him for making such a mature martial arts movie for his first movie. 
But that like, was his first movie overall? Not his no. first movie. His first movie is a low-budget um, horror movie. Mm. Which Can't is like... wrong yeah. with that. But his no, first he's movie kind of... Uh, at least. Yeah, and he's kind of... You know, he went on to do Apostle, which is really great. Yeah, and Apostle is awesome. Apostle's pretty good. Yeah, Apostle's like a really good addition to the folk horror craze of the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And uh, just got some great fucking mutilations. <laughs> like when all those guys stabbed the guy with the spears at once. Yeah. Or like the other guy getting his head drilled in. It's like, mm-hmm. man, Gareth Evans, he does have like a horror movie level of... And that's what's kind of interesting about these movies is that you have horror movie sensibilities with the violence almost. Oh, the violence is just absolutely vicious in all of these. Especially the Raid 2. Yeah, and like Maranto for a little bit was like, oh, it's kind of bloodless. But then there's a couple parts where it's <laughs> very quickly like, whoa, holy shit. And um, yeah, we can just... Uh, we get on into it. Let's get on into it. Let's let's get on to Maranto. Marantau. Yuda was a simple master in the art of the pipe. He had learned to fight with the pipe, lived with the pipe, and when he brought his skills to the big city, no one cared. After jumping pipe to pipe through life, he meets a girl he pisses off by saving her and eventually pisses off her boss, working his way up to pissing off his bosses and co-workers, beating them up into crippled piles under his piped fists, but never killing them. That's not the way. With the help of his rival dog, the Bounty Hunter, he works his way up to the crime boss fight brothers. But just when things look good, he died the way he lived. By pipe. <laughs> <laughs> he lived in a pipe for most yeah. of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, was, he worked, he lived on the farms. He was, he'd never seen a pipe that big in his life. <laughs> and he, Tell me, back where I've got, why we don't got pipes big enough to sleep in. <laughs> If I'd known that, I'd be sleeping in a pipe all my life. <laughs> you see, there's another movie that would have been much better with C-Lot is uh, Simple Jack. <laughs> <laughs> or Forrest Gump, to be honest. Or Forrest uh, C-Lot with Forrest Gump would be pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if that's, if that's how he breaks out of his braces. Yeah, it's like start, he kicks a guy. He just kicks a guy so hard that his braces fly off in slow just motion. Just like totally roadhouses a guy. That would be really great. Is like just a three D shot of like the pieces of the of the braces flying towards the camera. <laughs> get, makes his way through uh, Vietnam with Sea Lot. Oh, that'd be fun. Uh, so anyway, yes. So Marantau. So. Marantau is a very interesting like indie film with a lot of really cool action in it. The action, you know, is surprisingly pretty fucking cool, you know, despite, you know, it's lower budget and No, and it's very it's very well choreographed and like you can kind of see the seams a little bit, but it's also very ambitious. It's kind of like, like kind of like El Mariachi in a way. Oh yeah, it's it totally whether intentional or not, it totally feels like El Mariachi because you have a dude who's like really optimistic and like, I'm going on an adventure. I'm coming into the new city to get a job. And everyone's like, well, you're the job that you do is stupid. Yeah. He's he the only jobs be... around here are crime. 
He wants to be a sea lot instructor, and nowhere in town is there interest in a sea lot instructor. And the play instructing and the place that he was going to instruct at is now just like either like being torn up or like renovated or something. It's being leveled. Yeah, yeah. it's just like not there. <laughs> yeah, it's like which is why he crawls into a whole bunch of giant pipes. And um, yeah, it's it's interesting because it's like I guess like it's uh, talking about like a culture disappearing. Yeah, I suppose way, so. Because yeah. it's like it's kind of being not replaced, but there's you know it's more business oriented and structured. It's and like they don't care about the old ways, the old no. ways of learning martial arts. And I I don't necessarily know if it's the same, but like I know my uncle practices uh, Filipino martial arts, and like a lot of it is verbal. So there's verbal. Not... <laughs> well, no, I mean like a lot of it is like it can't be taught. You can't read it through a book. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you need someone to pass it on to you. Yeah. So it's like, I think that Sealat's probably the same way where it's like, you can't learn this shit. Like if you know, if you know, you know. Exactly. So like the amount of people that are carrying it around like that, you know, they need to carry that on to the next generation or just not going to happen. So if it's, if it's entirely motivated by capitalism, then you're not going to keep that shit. Just let it die. It's, yeah, you know it's, it's sad. A, it's a, it's about the practicality and the system that's b- developing and progressing. Now, and he does meet on the bus into town. He meets. Uh, do any of these characters have names? Yeah, they have names. <laughs> it's Bippy. a little hard to follow. Yeah. Yes. Boopy the dog. Uh, Boopy the dog clown. Eric. If you're talking about uh, Jan Ruhian's character, it's Eric. His name is Eric? <laughs> yeah, it's just Eric. Okay. <laughs> the other one's Yuda. Yep. Our main guy, our main guy is Yuda. Yeah, which... that's who Taiko Waititi's... Iko Uwaisi's character. Oh my god, dude. That was bad. Taiko Waititi? Imagine Taiko Waititi using Sealot in any of his stuff. Imagine what we do in the shadows with Sealot. I'd watch. Oh, yeah. But uh, said, Maranto, you know, it does feel like a in, very indie movie in some ways because it's about, you know, like a coming-of-age story. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. at its core, it's a coming-of-age story, and but then it eventually turns into a... <laughs> Dying. A, a, much much like Mariachi, a, a, a kind of like a mistaken case of identity. Well, not a mistaken case, but he pushes himself into a crime issue that he didn't really want to get into. Yeah, so like it starts where... Uh, He's getting something to eat, and this kid uh, steals his backpack. He's got his wallet, and there's a whole extended foot chase. And eventually, it leads him to this kid's older sister getting abused by uh, pretty much a pimp yeah, outside of their strip, strip club. club. And it, he, he obviously, he's the chivalrous country boy, so he steps in to defend the lady's honor and totally gets her fired. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, that's the, he essentially is Forrest Gump, isn't he? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't actually watched Forrest Gump, so me okay, either. I'm just agreeing. He's a dumb. He's a dumb hick, though. You know, <laughs> I, 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 he, <laughs> you he's definitely it's, that. It's like you don't know how the city works, dude. <laughs> it's it just gets him into trouble all the time. No, and I don't know. I don't want to be. That's fucked up to say. Like you know, if a girl's being abused, you should step in. But yeah, like, yeah, like. But read the room. <laughs> yeah, read the room too. If the, you know, and she's kind of like Meg and Hercules. Yeah, the whole point. She's of it like, is... I'm not a damsel. I'm not in distress. Yeah, kind of the whole point of it is like showing, yeah, doing the right thing will get you in trouble. You know, this is, is kind of like Hercules, too, because as soon as he falls in love with her, he dies. <laughs> you know, it makes him human. I don't remember that part. Yeah, Hercules what? dies, remember? No. No. 
yeah, he dies and he goes to Mount Olympus and they're like, hey, you can be a god now. And he's like, I want to go back and be a human. Aww. Well, he doesn't die. Yeah, he does. He doesn't die. He's like rotting and then eventually <laughs> the gods at that, just at that moment decide, okay, you can be a god. You've, pro- you've proven you're a good person. We're talking about Disney's Hercules? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Any hoozles. I haven't seen that probably since I saw it in the theater when it first came out. Well, I hope we're going to finally get a live-action one with Danny DeVito. Ugh. So, like, he would still be, like, all shrunken, like... Yeah, you don't even thing. need to do makeup yeah. on him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a little gremlin man. You can just look like Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine yeah. you see... Uh, well, with horns tied to his head. <laughs> not not even tied. He's just got, like, almost like Mickey Mouse ears, almost. Yeah, exactly. Just, like, a little <sighs> headband he just puts on. <sighs> I don't want to be here. But I mean, I guess you could say it's kind of like Hercules, and where it's like you know, innocent guy, he takes his skills to the big city, and like he is a country boy. But unlike Hercules, he's never really appreciated for those skills. No, he doesn't become an action figure. Yeah, he doesn't become an action figure. He doesn't he just, go from zero to hero. He oh yeah, he get, doesn't have a Greek chorus of <laughs> of fine of fine African American ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Marantau, he's the. Man, gonna make you say ow, and it's eco yes. Ancient Greeks' soul choruses were always awesome. Yeah, man, I know. They were the best. What a movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe, we'll a, maybe we'll figure out how to squeeze Hercules into an episode one day. <laughs> I mean, we could do, like, the thousands of Hercules movies. <laughs> but uh, Mar- Marantau, though, yeah, so he, he gets this girl fired from her job for sticking up for her and... Uh, Really She's... puts the works on this fucking asshole pimp. <laughs> yeah, no, and then... So that guy, he's involved with some human traffickers who are... You're a British? German? I don't know. Well, the one guy, the uh, the Slender Brother, he's French. And then the other guy is uh, British. Why are they from different... What? They're brothers? Yeah, they're supposed to be brothers. And that... Well, okay, so they're brothers and they speak in different dialects as a way to make... But they're not only are they 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 speak in different dialects. Neither of them speak those dialects in this movie, and instead both opt to do some weird accent that comes from nowhere. Like I can't think of anywhere in the world where an actual human being speaks the way these guys do. It's kind of like a uh, Wonder Woman with the Amazons. They just kind of have accents. They reminded me of like it's like if we got a little bit of behind the scenes on Ryan Gosling and his brother and Only God Forgives. Oh God! Yeah, that's the one. That's the one film that we kind of compared it a little bit. It was Only God Forgives, which like it predates. I think it does. It, it's it's post Pusher. Yeah, this was two thousand nine, and I do wonder if there's a little bit of Pusher influence because it does feel like just a little bit pushery, pushery. But it's also like it could just be like Tarantino shit, you know. Yeah, it could. I, I mean, he's British. It could just be Guy Ritchie. Oh god! Oh yeah. boy! Yeah, it's like what watered down version of Tarantino <laughs> did you steal this from? <laughs> Tar- Tarantino, who is himself a watered down version of seventies directors. Yeah, pretty much. Nah, I don't want to say that. No, we love you, Quentin. He's kind of like just you know, it's like it's like listening to a greatest hits album of the seventies. You know, yeah. It's like you're not going to get all the essentials, but you'll get some of the good stuff. It's yeah, a lot of know. inspiration. 
If you want to hear the rest, wear of the it good on your sleeve. If you want to hear the rest of the good stuff, you'll go for the next volume in the comp series. No, and like you know, we should thank Tarantino for at least for me. He pushed me on to older movies that I wouldn't have watched otherwise. He he pushed me, and by extension, Rodriguez also pushed me into exploring more independent cinema, which just brings us back to Marantau movies like that. No, and like. So you can really... What's great about these movies is you do see Gareth Evans evolve as a director. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I love I love seeing an upward an upward spiral. No, and, and evolve, There's definitely that because... Go on. I was going to say evolve not just as a director, you know, like story-wise, you know, like directing his actors like uh, Iwo... Uh, Iko Uwais. Iko Uwais. <laughs> you can see a clear progression in his acting abilities across these films kind of and 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 not only that but also you know just in the way these actors are interacting with each other but there's also clear directorial evolution on a technical level because oh, yeah. once you like this is a very kind of basic film the way it looks the way it's shot the raid starts to play around with it a little bit more you know like they're dropping the they have no, the, yeah, the raid is much more bold stylistically they, they have, they're dropping the camera through the hole in the floor yeah. and they're going all around the place and then you get to raid two where they're fucking throwing cameras across rooms <laughs> i know right? strapping dudes to the outside of cars just to pass cameras from inside the car to a dude on a motorcycle and just oh so good no and it's like it's like seeing um Someone you admire get to be get to play with more toys, you know. Just like a, especially with the raid too, it's like, oh yeah, he gets to do a car chase now. Like that's fucking cool, and he does bring the same energy to a car chase that he brings to his fights. But oh yeah, no, and like, and that's all. That's all here, you know. Like Marantau is like the perfect blueprint for what what comes later. What's interesting is that it just it has like these indie movie things where it's a lot more shaggy. Mm-hmm. Mm, but yeah. Iko Uwais is not an actor at this time. No, you know, they picked him up in like a in like learning sea lot. He participated and, in the documentary, right? Yeah, and so like I think he just saw that he had a certain level of charisma, but especially with Marantau, he has so much dramatic heavy lifting to do. It's also where they got you, uh, and Yuhia. Yeah, yeah, they were both training sea lot, and he really, man, it's it was only five years from Marantau to the raid too, but like I hope that's all makeup because he looks bad in the raid too. <laughs> I definitely like Iyayan's characters and like all these like they're kind of they're they're interesting contrast to uh, Iko's characters as well. Like obviously Marantau, like he's kind of like he's sort of gone on uh, the same journey, Yuda's journey, but he's just kind of like he's not given up, but he's understood that he can't just be in one place. He has to move and he has to like adapt to the surroundings if he wants to use the skills that he knows. Now it's interesting that it's like oh he's like it's like looking at a younger version of myself it's like you look the same age <laughs> don't be silly. I mean I'm sure they're in real life like like ten years older than each other or something but wait what are you talking about in uh, in uh, Maranto when, oh yeah yeah um, when Eric is on the bus with Yuda he's like oh you're 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 going into town to learn, to teach sea lad it's like looking at a younger version of myself <laughs> but yeah and. Um, yeah, we have these brothers, and it's interesting because, like, since they speak English, the subtitles are like, "Well, you don't need subtitles." <laughs> it's like I can barely understand these fuckers. No, not not only do they that have these so frustrating, not only do they have these weird accents going on, but their audio is not great either. No, and it's like you, it, that's not an issue with the other scenes because, like, I don't speak Indonesian. Yeah, 
And, uh, you know, we watched the American cut, which is slightly shorter than the Indonesian cut. Or, quote-unquote, the international cut is yes. what we watch. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, which is, you know... The American it's still, cut. It still feels a little, you know, a little long, a little shaggy, but I like it. And I wonder if, like, maybe... I don't know. Wonder what we're missing. Probably not action scenes. Probably like some of, some more of those meditative character beats in between. No, the the action choreography in this it is still very on point for the most part. I mean, especially at the end when you have uh, when the you fight have on him. the red storage bins. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I especially love how it's like. So one thing that Evans really likes doing is showing one dude. Doesn't matter who, but just a dude just get supremely fucked up on the edges of surfaces. <laughs> and I remember in this fight, you have the uh, so uh, our main guy jumps from one storage container to the other that's uh, on a lower level, <laughs> immediately he's back up, whips around in time to see the other guy coming at him, jumping. And just before the guy lands, he fucking kicks him and hits the the guy hits the edge, the corner of the container. And oh, it's geez. just the most painful looking shit. Now there's a moment too, which was in the trailer where like a there he's being chased on some buildings, and um, a guy is about to chase him, and he grabs like a bamboo pole. Mm-hmm. And in the trailer, they make it look like he's gonna fucking shish kebab the guy. <laughs> but it's even worse in the movie. He just fucking like pokes him in the chest, and then the guy <laughs> falls like six stories. <laughs> and then he's still alive he's at still, the bottom. They, they really take the time. It's a lot like Batman, where like you have to show that they're still like ow. <laughs> and like sometimes they're guys... literally holding their back, like oh my god, I'm never gonna walk again. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of these guys are gonna need a lot of physical therapy. <laughs> no. He beats up a lot of dudes, and there's some interesting like set pieces when he does it. Like it starts off just like small and in a, like a dance hall or something, and then it expands to a bridge above a highway, and then it expands to like basically the side of a construction area. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's um, yeah, it's you know the budget is like we have a couple spots we can access, you know. So yeah, you have a cool covered bridge, and yeah, that's one of the famous pipe fights. Surrounded by pipes. Yeah, police story has like a lot of pipe fights, or just like five guys with wielding pipes will come and beat the shit out of you. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the pipe and, and, gangs. Just the clanging and the banging from all the pipe smashing is like insane and yeah. fast too. Like this, the the Yuta character, like he tries his best to just kind of beat his enemies into submission instead of killing them. And, Which like, is interesting. He doesn't kill people until he becomes a cop. Yeah, <laughs> man, I'm looking now. Eco Wyatt is going to be in Expendables four. Ooh, making nice. that? Yeah, it's in, we better do it's an in episode post production. It's in post production. I thought right he was now. already in one of the other ones. Uh no, he was not. Was I think maybe the guy from the raid was though the the other guy the 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 chief. Oh, okay, maybe. I mean, I I've only seen the first. Yeah, we'll get we'll get to raid. that. The raid produced I mean, a lot more stars than this one did. Yeah, that's for sure. No, and it's interesting because like he really went. I don't know. He he went for broke with this, and it didn't quite hit. And that he took he took the lessons he learned and went and went on to improve it with the raid and just made it a lot more of an action movie. Oh yeah, and I wonder just you know what's what could be the issue with it like what like because it's not a bad movie. No, it's not it's a, a bad movie. It's a great movie. It's, it's just, just too like, sweet. You know, this almost feels like a movie you should do later on. 
you know? It's yeah. it's missing something. It's missing that simplicity that the raid delivers. But like it also has these really rich moments cuz like it becomes the story about him creating a family with this girl and her little brother. Mhm. And so when he dies, they go to the they go they go and live with his family out in the country. And like the little kid is like going to school dressed up like you know he's wearing the uniform and when the mom looks at him she sees Yuda, which is like that's fucking great that's really good filmmaking that is good filmmaking it's It's like almost too good for you know a movie that has a guy getting shot like 38 times in an elevator oh yeah man with uh yeah not a lot of guns in this movie but then when they when they pull them out they just pull the trigger until it's empty yeah yeah especially especially in the raid too but like with marantau i feel like there's there is a lot of character development with this one as well like i think is probably the strongest female character in this trilogy. No, yeah, there are no. There's almost it's a sausage fest for the most part. The other two, like the first one, maybe the only. Woman There's is. Hammer Girl, but she can't talk. Uh, she is a good supporting thing character in the side. I guess she doesn't really talk. She just beats people with hammers. She's just there. But no, the but the main character uh, Astri, I think her name is. Uh, yeah, Astri in, in Marantau. She's a very sympathetic, just like and also very tragic character. Like she was thrown on the streets with her brother because her parents had too many kids. And they couldn't take care of them. them. I, yeah. I love their and reasoning. She's just trying too. to survive. It's just like it's very just sad. I love their reasoning for having as many kids as they did too. They're like, oh, they wanted a bunch of kids so that there'd be people to take care of them when they're old. But then they realize, forgot, oh, we need to take care of these kids first. <laughs> so Shit. So they just release them back into the wild, like <laughs> fucking the wild animals that you caught. You're free now. Go. What are you looking at me like that? Go. Go take care of old people. Get out of here. We don't want you. <laughs> Go on. Get. And uh, there are some story beats where it's like, you know, I get that they're trying to be really, really, like, sweet and sad. But, like, so the one scene where in which, like, so, like, Yuta's off fighting a whole bunch of dudes on the construction site, including a biker bounty hunter guy. But uh, Yuta goes to, uh, not Yuta, Astri goes to hide her brother. And it's, like, just very heavily dramatic, that bit. And like then it's kind of like no we have to do this because then i'm gonna get kidnapped and you know th- th- this is what this means us having it could be our final like discussion together and then immediately even though she just immediately throws him in into the hidey hole like they only get her yeah they punch her in the face like it's like really, okay, really rough she's, she's clearly by herself in this alley there's no way that kid is here with her yeah yeah and um yeah, so what's another interesting thing about this is like maybe we don't have a good boss battle. Yeah. We get a good boss battle in both um, of the other ones. No, I wouldn't say that. I mean, we have the two weirdly accented brothers at the end. That's a that's a boss battle. I know that I is just, a boss fight. I don't feel I don't feel from them that they're great at fighting. It's yeah, a, I did, it's a boss fight, but I didn't say it's a good boss fight. Well, the 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 the, the Edward Snowden looking motherfucker. Apparently, he's like a stunt guy. Okay, so that's probably why he was better than his brother. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but Which then he, got him. he he fucking dies like first though, right? Yeah, he well, yeah, gets stabbed by a by a by a freight handle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah a lot of rebar just around sharp pieces of rebar and pipe formed and into crowbars. Yeah, because remember the rebar looks like a crowbar in in this one, or the crowbar looks like yeah, rebar. Yeah, that. Yeah, 
You know, it would have been better if like all the human trafficked women like descended upon him and like tore him apart. Oh know? yeah, that'd be badass. At the end of Maniac. <laughs> ah yeah. No, and like so this is like this is a solid movie. It's uh surprisingly long for how simple the story is. I think we might have appreciated a bit more if we hadn't seen the raid already. That's a good que- that's a good point. Like yeah. if you just went into this like ex- like expecting just a normal movie, yeah, it would probably be really good. Cuz I, uh, I think it's kind of like we keep going back to the raid movies because it's kind of pulled down by the by our experiences with those films cuz they're like really good and really like simple, super tight. No, and it is like watching El Mariachi after watching Desperado. It's like you've already seen the better version. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh but you know, it's like it. It's still it's still really uh, charming. It's his second feature movie, but his first movie with C. Lot. Yeah, yeah. And, if you um, don't count the documentary, yeah. Well, I'd well, love I to mean, see that. I'd love to track down that documentary. I yeah, would like too. To... I, I was just looking up uh, Eco Wyatt's <laughs> on uh, Wikipedia while we were talking, just to see if I could find the documentary, and it's not even listed. I mean, they talk about it, like, oh, this is where Gareth Evans found him, but they don't mention what it's called or if it's even got any kind of page maybe he was trying to do a documentary and it didn't come together and it was like you know what we can do instead of a documentary is a movie or it could just be like a you know a region thing like it's only like yeah. it's some kind of tv region documentary or it's like that documentary that kevin smith shot for prince what where he owns <laughs> he owned the negative oh yeah right that one they're talking about releasing it which i'm like who fucking cares but, but prince's documentary about turning mormon <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's not about Prince doing anything fun. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting story. I'm aware of it, but you know, it's an interesting story at least. How did I get on Kevin Smith again? <laughs> imagine Fucking... Kevin Smith movies with C Lot. Yeah. <laughs> imagine Clerks with C Lot. Yeah. Imagine Jane Silent Bob fighting the shit demon with C Lot. Now you <laughs> see that would be cool, but like we we were trying to talk about like the ideal body type for Sealot. And it's like, yeah, because he's not super ripped, and I don't think being super ripped would be good for Sealot necessarily. Yeah, no, like, so the portrayal of Sealot in these films is like, when it comes to like, you know, martial arts action films, it, you know, you, you I, I think it's mostly made iconic by the actors that we see like portray him with. Like, you mm-hmm. know, uh, Michelle Yeoh is very flowy, and Jackie Chan is like really like kind of clumsy and wacky in his actions. Yeah, Jackie Chan, you'll think about how he's like always overwhelmed, which yeah. uh, Iko Uwais brings to the table a little bit here, you know, very human. And then there's also, you know, like there's Gordon Liu, who uh, played Pai Mei in the Kill Bill movies. Oh, yeah. You know, he was a classic Shaw Brothers actor, and but at very much so performed that uh these uh the that fighting style in that very kind of paime like the uh, teacherly type and then then of course then you also have like Sonny Chiba who's just a fucking rabid street fighter who's just gonna rip you to pieces so yeah <laughs> no and it also is like tony ja in ong back who's like very peaceful and loving but he'll get like really amped up you and know then- and then, like, there's, uh, and then there's John Woo and the killer who's just going to shoot everyone trying oh, you to mean, fight um, him. <laughs> you mean uh, Sonny? No. Oh, Chow Yun-Fat. Chow Yun-Fat. Yeah. But uh, in, uh, Iko Oasis kind of style when it comes to his use of C-Lot, it's a very like rubber bandy kind of like yeah, It's action. very like, fluid. He's very fluid. He like... He's got yeah, like he always a does starting a move. Style. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah like he really kind of like waves almost, his hands around like it, trying to get centered. 
it's almost kind of dancey in a way. Yeah. No, because it it the from what I understand, you know, and I'm I like took taekwondo when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. but like it's about it's about trying to be flexible for whatever situation can happen. Yeah. And you can see, like, in a lot of these, it's about trying to control your environment, you know, like trying to get yourself into a corner that you can defend, you know, so that people don't come around behind you. And it's like, you're supposed to be able to handle, like, however many guys come at you. And really maintain proper form, too. Yeah. Which is, it's cool, in theory, and it looks cool. Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's... But it's not a lot of, yeah, it's not a lot of normal punches or kicks. Like, it's a lot of, like, getting people onto the ground. <laughs> a lot of grappling is what I would say. Grappling and tossing. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, he does open Marantau doing a really cool knife test, but he never uses that knife to do anything, because that would be too awesome. Yeah, we don't really get to see anything with that knife in, in action. Cause, I mean, not you until know, the raid. Is it, I mean, you know, he's that's not his thing, is cutting people, like... He doesn't really like. He doesn't want to spill blood. He doesn't spill blood very. I mean, you know, he doesn't stab or like, you know, like cut anybody in this movie. It's no, he all doesn't. Just pun- it's all like uh, blunt force. Yeah, and the only time he kills people is like oh, kind of by accident. Yeah. Like when he stabs the first brother. Yeah. It, it, uh, does it count if he with, with both brothers that he stabs? Because he he, sta- he stabs the one accidentally with uh, the door of the freight. Yes. A uh, box, and then the other one. He does stab back. Yeah, he's uh, dying. When so he's trying like, to stab him, it's fair dinkum. Yeah, it's I'd fair dinkum. I mean, they're all the Australians people. say they're, they're, they're evil. They're evil guys. Yeah, they're human traffickers. If you can't kill them, who can you kill? Exactly. It's like I am. We were talking about this. I am against the death penalty. I think that you know you should just be stuck in a box forever. Because what if dying is really cool? <laughs> you know? oh god what if you die and it's like angels for everybody no matter how bad you were <laughs> oh shit because like you know john wayne gacy like repented and all that and the in like all this shit and the and the pope at the time asked for them not to execute him huh. and so i said it's like so that means by your rules john wayne gacy is in heaven right now oh god and they were like yes it's like the robot chicken sketch where the guy dies and goes to heaven. And, it's, and there's literally a killer clown in heaven. Yeah, yeah he's like, like, I killed, I killed a dozen children, but I repented in prison. Yeah, and then wasn't it like the his, last when he comes to his, his Adolf Hitler? Hitler like, who's just like, I'm just as just, just just confused as you. you. <laughs> there's, a, there's also a Knight Templar who's like, I slew thousands in the name of my lord. Yeah, you see, that's yeah, you see, you know, I. He's ungrateful though, so they repent, so they revoke his angel status and they turn him into a care bear. <laughs> no, it's like if you're gonna bitch so much, I could just send you back to Earth, and he goes back into his body, but he's all fucked up. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh that's right. No, I'm thinking of the guy who gets the reincarnated like, as a yeah, care bear. Yeah, it's like a wheel of reincarnation. Yeah. It's like, Ooh, I hope I get Kira Knightley's underwear. <laughs> oh God. Holy shit. Not around the children, please. <laughs> oh, man, you know who, I wish if, I got Kira Knightley's underwear. You know, if I spun the wheel of reincarnate, reincarnation, you know who I wish I would get? The mask of the drummer from Slipknot? No. Uh-oh. Eco Elias. <laughs> what? That because doesn't... no one's going to touch that guy. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Is Eco Elias, like, how many movies has he been since uh, The Raid? Because like lot. I know the raid was his big breakout. Yeah, that's his big breakout. I was flipping through. Also, by the way, uh, Iko Weiss and Yan Yan have like, have a twenty year uh, age difference. It looks like twenty years. Holy shit! Yeah, so that means was, he looks good. That dude. The, he was born in eighty. Uh, Iko uh, uh, was born in eighty three, and then uh, Yan Yan was born in sixty eight. Holy shit! Yes. 
So yeah, I'd say that was a it's a young me looking at so he looks, he looks so young in Marintau. I know he's got like pure jet black hair, really nice like skin, <laughs> clean shaven, clean shaven. He looks like a baby. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking now. Uh, Eco Elias has like 13 films to his credit that are out already. He's also got uh, hmm. two that are or no, he's got uh, four coming up. Uh, it's in Expendables 4, which is in post-production, due out next year. And then there's three that are TVA. So. All right, well, they, you know, COVID fucked up a lot of movies. Yeah, it yeah. did. But you know what? I'm glad to see, you know, a guy like him, like who really just was nobody. You know, he was a he was practicing C-Lot when Gareth Evans found him, put him in these really kick-ass movies, and his stock rose very steadily. No, and he's like he does have like something that you can't really you know bottle or like pick out of a lineup. He's just like he's got a he's got a good leading man vibe to him. Yeah, very righteous. No, yeah, and you know, but he, yeah, and like he's not super handsome, but he does look just. I don't know, he looks like a, he looks like a nice boy. I will say this is probably of the three movies. This is the most interesting of his characters. I'll say. I'll go ahead and say that. Yeah, no, and I Rama in uh, especially once we get to the raid two, like I really wanted more from their character. But it so it's like we have too much character in this one. Yeah, Yuda's like you know he wants. It's not just that he's doing it because it's the right thing to do. It's that it's kind of like it's almost the only thing he can do. He only knows how to do good. Yeah, through violence, or, or just like you know trying to help somebody he thinks he's, he's he's kind of childish you know uh, and that's kind of the point of the coming of age story with this one is that he's realizing and he like dies just like never really learning to yeah. like adapt or mature no and he's like thank god i'm a country boy yeah or does he get tenanted ten- tenant oh yeah ten- ten- <laughs> we've talked tenant- about how it's possible that tenant tenanted <laughs> it was tenanted how he would. <laughs> There's our tenant reference for the episode, uh, guys. Yay! Uh, it's like there are some also super duper dark moments in this movie, though. Like Astri does get like she gets yeah brutalized. She, yeah, this she is she a, totally gets violated and raped by the British. Dude? Yeah, the British yeah, dude British who guy. apparently is an actor in. Gareth Evans' first movie, Footsteps. Oh, no, I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying that with a question, like, inflection. No, no, because we just don't know what he is, but yeah. 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 <laughs> no, and that that is dark. That's a very... Like, the it's like the hero, I guess you could say, doesn't, like, you know... He doesn't really, succeed in the conventional sense. Like yeah, her. it's not like... Per, it's not a perfect ending in saving her. Like, he, he saves her from a horrible life of human trafficking, but, you know, there, there's still a cost at it, no, including she does his talk- life. She just talked about how it's like, I can, you know, try to be an artist in the city or I can go to the country and pick tomatoes. And like in the ending, she is picking tomatoes and it's like, well, this is better, I guess. It's a peaceful life. You know? Yeah, no, it's like you got to just pick pick your battles here. Mm-hmm. But um, no, it was, you know. It's a fine movie. We got a, we got a really fun uh, fight scene with... Um, Eric, where it's in an elevator. Which yes, that elevator is it gets pretty wide. That yeah, that's another thing that we see come back in this is he loves staging brutal action in very confined spaces, 
but we still see a clear jump in the size of that space once said action starts. <laughs> now, and like elevators are the most cinematically, you know, like exaggerated there's feature a, of buildings. Like if you ever see Devil. And there's also, uh, I know in uh, Diamonds Are Forever, there's the fight scene where Bond is fighting the one dude in the elevator in Amsterdam. Um, I do I do wonder, though, it's like, because um, Winter Soldier reminded me in parts of uh, Gareth Evans' style. Yeah? Yeah, I could totally see that. And I do, I do wonder if they wanted to. But you know what really pulls from this style is uh, the Daredevil show. Oh, big time. absolutely! Daredevil, big time, like is the coloring by the raid. Yeah, the cinematography, like everything, feels very the raid. And it's like, why is he never done? You know, ah, whatever. Maybe <laughs> it's, maybe it's better that he doesn't. <laughs> I mean, he's working on other stuff. No, he's yeah, he's in you know he's doing Gangs of London. He did Apostle, which is like a really tight horror movie. You know, and I love Dan Stevens, dude. Dan Stevens does weird shit. Yeah, I like Dan Stevens in most things. Legion, dude, man, fuck yeah. Not Beauty and the Beast, though. Oh, well, who saw that? I did. <laughs> well, yeah. That's on you. Mm. <laughs> I mean, so we can probably rate this. I'd say so. There will yeah. be Easter eggs referring to Marantau throughout the other two movies. Because, you know, it's a, it's an interesting comparison, to say the least. No, and I, you know, I really understand that Gareth Evans tried to do a lot with this yeah you know he wanted to tell a good coming-of-age story about like a young innocent farm boy being destroyed by the city but like still doing some good and like still have like a really fun violent action movie and it's like it doesn't always work together that well yeah which is why i give it a solid seven out of ten it's got great concepts it's got great action scenes it's just a little too much in some places yeah, I'm gonna follow Sam on that. It's a, it's a it's a fine movie. It's a solid seven for me. It's a good first effort for what he's going for, but just isn't quite there yet. Yeah, sevens across the board. Seven, 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 seven like, heavens. I do wish we could just go back in time and just see this movie on its own. Yeah, I think we would have appreciated it more. We probably would have been like, "Oh, y'all, y'all are sleeping on this." Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, we didn't uh, know about the rage, but I mean, we uh, wouldn't know about this if it wasn't for the rage. So, pretty much, yeah. We were just a bunch of lowly Broward College film students when the raid pinged on our radars for the first time. Our radars. No, and I think it was like, we'll get into it, but like there was the shot in the trailer of the kid getting his head smashed to the into the wall over and over again yeah. going down. It's like, I think that the trailer ends that way. Yeah, it does. It's just like, holy shit. I'm fucking so ready for this. <laughs> so, uh, let's, uh, let's dive in. The Raid Redemption. Rama Raid was a simple cop with a simple job. Take down the mob boss at the top of the tower. But just as soon as things turn from simple to bad, it's time to kick some ass. And no member of the white shirt gang is a match for his sea lot skills. But things turn from bad to complicated when it turns out his own brother is involved with the gang, along with his own bad lieutenant. But his brother and him patch things up after putting down a mad dog, and Bad Lieutenant gives up after killing the boss and taking all the XP. In the end, everyone limps off into the sequely sunset, except for Dread, who is left in the dust. 
Oh, oh, dread. Still sour about it. As good as this movie is, dread got the short stick. I know, but it's like it's not even that it came out the same year. Month. It's, it's just that it came out the same year. You yeah, know? came out the same month. No, it's like I'm. It, it didn't it come came out the same out, year. It came out I mean, a, same month, a couple months later. Oh, okay, yeah. but it was like tragically similar to the raid. Yeah, <laughs> tragically sim- No, they're dude. They're almost the same movie. No, I know. Well, but- I mean, no, not almost. A, it's the same plot, but different action and also yeah. different money. Because you know, you can film like a couple guys in some like airsoft fighting gear pretty easily, but building that set and those machine guns oh, the tower, and yeah. the tower and the Dredd's costumes. costume and you gotta everything pay, you got to pay carl urban also the cg like you know telekinetic telepathic dream sequences you got the super slow motion oh that oh. is one of the best sequences ever god yeah, that almost feels the raid like you know skinning guys and throwing them off a building yeah or at least takashi mckay like uh, yeah you know the dread it's a great movie, and I feel bad that it got taken down, but, you know, it's just, the raid is just, it's too good and simple, and it's a little more action-packy, like, you know, it's, it doesn't have the uh, the pedigree that Dread does. And yeah, well, Dread is still a comic book movie at the end of the day. It the, is. The raid also, you know, with Dread, which I, I worship Dread. Dread is one of my favorite comic book adaptations ever. Fuck yeah! Um... It also does kind of la- uh, drag in some parts, you know, like when it's just him and the girl, like doing stuff that isn't policey, executiony stuff. Mm. Uh, whereas the raid, almost start to finish, is just hundred miles an hour. Yeah, like there, there's some uh, slower, calmer moments. But even those are still like laced with tension between these characters. Like there's a uh, when um, uh, their uh, commanding officer, who uh, uh, Officer Sub Zero, when he uh, when he finally figures out that they're kind of there unofficially, <laughs> and uh, so it's like you know there's scenes like that where they're not fighting anyone but it's still very tense you know no you know i would say maybe the best scene in this movie involves no fighting whatsoever which scene is that uh the machete wall scene oh yeah absolutely it's like that's just horror shit like you know if like if uh, any of the friday 13th movies had something that good oh you yeah know? totally well remember we, uh, there is one horror movie that kind of did something like that evil dead oh right yes. <laughs> true yeah. True that. No, yeah, because Evil Dead has the sequence where Mia is in the wall of the uh, tool shed, and her demonic other self or whatever is just fucking stabbing through that wall, and even gets across the top of her kneecap. Oh, very, yeah. very similar to in this one when the guy stabs through and cuts into Rama's face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's that is so brutal, man. He's the way all... the because it goes into his face. You so, know. So okay, so here is the first very big upgrade from uh Marantau. this movie is vicious it takes absolutely it not only does it not take any prisoners it doesn't even know what prisoners are it can't even spell the word prisoners you're either on your feet fighting rama or you're dead <laughs> no and you know like structurally this movie owes uh to both the warriors oh yeah and uh, Assault on Precinct 13. Mm-hmm. Very heavily. Much like Assault on Precinct 13, the actions are set off by the death of a child. 
Only yeah. the flip of this one is that it's a cop shooting a, a child instead of a criminal shooting a child. Yeah. yeah. So, so essentially, for those of you that haven't seen the raid, a quick summary is that you have a SWAT team infiltrating this apartment building in the ghetto with the task of taking down a local crime lord who's on the top floor. They get found out halfway up the building. Crime Lord locks the whole place down and pretty much lets everyone run free and whoever yeah, kills them. That's when it's the Warriors moment where he's like on the radio like, hey, if you get him, you get free rent for a year. No, for life. Oh, for life, yeah. Yeah, Even but um, eventually they find out that uh, their superior officer who's accompanying them on this uh, mission, uh, this isn't quite sanctioned. No one knows that they're there. This is just some dirty, underlord crime, fucking uh, sketchy, corrupt shit. Now, and if I had to guess, he's going after the evidence that Rama walks away with at the end. Yeah, I, I would say I would say so. Because like that's because that would be able to put him away as well as like all the other dirty cops that they're alluding to. Yeah, pretty much. But also like they kind of wanted him to go and uh, the bad lieutenant, they, like the dirty cops wanted him to go off and die. Yeah, no. This. So like maybe they so it's it's probably like he thought he had an ally who tipped him off about this apartment, but it's actually like a trap. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, yeah, they, they I think they're using all rookies because it's an unsanctioned mission. And that's why. They won't the SWAT be team isn't yeah, and they're not quite as um, you know prepared as they should be. Experienced on the job, and you know we do have like so Rama already knows that his brother's in the apartment. Yeah, because there, there's some kind of subtle hints at the beginning. Yeah, like he's like, I'll bring have, him back to we, his dad. We have a really great opening montage oh, yeah. when it's like super early in the morning, and he's like doing push-ups and he's sit-ups. Doing, yeah, he's, he's doing fighting. His, uh, he's doing his uh, Muslim prayers uh, to Mecca. Yeah, and it's cut together with him prepping, uh, doing shit like his his workout, prepping his gun. You see the watch. The watch is a reoccurring image. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah, man, and. Um, I do feel like, even though John Wick, I mean, John Wick doesn't owe a lot to these movies, but something about the sort of action that these movies present is like what led us to John Wick, you know? Yeah, I could kind of see that. Because like someone wanted to really inject like really good choreography into gunfights again. As we also said, Daredevil, like very much inspired the, especially everyone talked about the big hallway fight scene in the first season of daredevil i think the second episode and just like that brutality and that closeness and that grittiness is a is definitely inspired by the raid no and i i do think that visually uh he was partially inspired by the old boy fight as well oh i'd, I'd imagine so yeah the because it's, it's got also is the thing the simplicity of the raid is kind of like this video game aspect of it as well yeah it's just yeah. like waves of dudes come at you over and over and over again until either they're dead or you're dead no and you're going upward you know to uh ascend yep <laughs> yeah and it's a uh, yeah for a while it seems like they're doing a really good job just arresting everybody in the building but then a kid is gonna go try to tell the cops and they fucking shoot the kid which is like well no the the corrupt cop dude their their leader he's the one that shoots him no which is like you know we which speaks to his motivations as well there's this interesting like uh like presentation in the movie where it's like there's bad cops but there's also actually good cops within the system and like there are people that like the police and then there are people that obviously don't like them so it's it's a it's not a simple like cops are good guys story as oh no were. no but we do have joe taslam as jaka who's like the leader and he's he seems to be pretty up and up 
Yeah. yeah. And uh, he's like one of the more iconic actors from this. Like we see him obviously in Mortal Kombat now. Yeah. He's a no-nonsense uh, badass sergeant. It's really to lead his men into victory. And how they got him for the story, for for the movie is really interesting. Like, didn't he like contact the director? I think over... he like yeah, like Facebooked him. Like yeah, after watching Miranda, yeah, he reached out to him on Facebook, and that's how he and uh, in in lurking this guy's profile, Evans found a picture of him in a SWAT outfit, and that was kind of like what sealed the deal. It's like okay, yeah, you look really good in a SWAT outfit. You're obviously because he was a. a championship martial artist yeah no and he's he's got a lot of like leading man swagger yeah and if you guys like joe taslam and Silat, um and if you want to see Iko uias play a bad guy um then watch uh, the night comes for us i still gotta see that one it's a uh, it's really over the top but it's very fun it's kind of like a greatest hits Silat movie yeah you know yeah. it's just like we're just going through and doing different ways to like have really badass fight scenes and then another another uh a uh, prominent uh, cop we get in this one is uh, Boo, played by Tigar Satraya. Yeah, and uh, he's the uh, he's the asshole. Who's yeah, no, like, and it's really interesting because at the beginning of the movie, he's totally just shitting on Rama. Yeah, like, hey, fucking asshole, what are you asking questions for? Huh? You know, you know who he kind of reminds me of a little bit. He kind of reminds me of Bill Paxton, God rest his soul, in uh, in Aliens when yeah. they're in the drop shit. He's like, "I'm the ultimate badass. You don't want to fuck with me." And- I know, and then and then and then as soon as shit goes bad, it's, it's game like, over. Thirty days, we're not gonna last thirty hours, man. They go to dig the bullet out of Boo's stomach. Game over, man. Game over. My favorite Bill Paxton line of all time is like when they're. Is, is when Sigourney Weaver's like, hey, this little kid survived for the last two days and he looks down and she's wearing the little helmet and she salutes him and he's like, why don't you put her in charge? <laughs> but, so, um, you know, the they have a lot of muscle on this group. Like, I mean, that these cops are going through this building, securing this shit down tightly and efficiently. And it almost feels like in a video game where you start out with a bunch of stuff, yeah. you know? And you're like, but then you like lose it all. Yeah, <laughs> like you like, wake like up half of your squad. Yeah, <laughs> and they, you know they they do really because the way they cover their corners and everything, and like you're filming them with these Dutch angles, and you got very this cool, tactical. This cool Joe Trapanese score, just dum 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 ball with the ball with dang it dang ticky 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 with the wild job. Name is Meanwhile, Mike Shinoda's over here like, guys, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why are you doing this to my music? <laughs> I'm, I'm so- not kid fucking rock. I'm sorry, Linkin Park. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, Don't turn your back on me. I won't be ignored. <laughs> another, another area where we see Gareth Evans really improving between Marantau and this is in building suspense. Like when the building first gets locked down, they kill the power to the stairwell that they're in. And it's like, you know, you can see people are kind of moving through the building. And then the best, though, is when they're going to breach a door that they think will get them out of there. And uh, all of a sudden, the camera pulls back and you just see a whole row of dudes standing on the floor above them across from them. And then right as 
uh, I think it's uh, Joe Taslim's character. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, wait, don't do that. The guy bumps, fires his shotgun. You get the beautiful slow motion of yeah, the, the slug coming out. But the light from the muzzle flash illuminates the dudes above yeah, him. Yeah, the shadows. Oh, it's so great. And then just all fucking hell breaks loose. And There's it's... a moment before that, though, where they're like looking into the darkness and the figures are kind of fading up. Yeah, exactly. Which is an homage to, of course, my favorite shot in Halloween, where oh, Michael yeah. Myers is in the hallway and his face like fades up. Oh, interesting. Oh, and yeah. then, of course, uh, there's a, a more recent example, Hereditary. When, oh, God, yeah. Which uh, The naked dude in the house from the oh, cult. Oh, I thought, I thought you... No, also when she's on the wall. That Well, yeah, just yeah. that whole ending. That of, whole <laughs> ending is just like shit right out of sight that like is horrifying. <laughs> and they, they, they included Hereditary at number three on Shudder's 101 Scariest Movie Moments. And they talked so much about that ending. And I'm so happy that they did. Now, and that being said, though, the scene where they're hiding in the walls of this. They're in the walls. They're in my walls. They're in my walls. They're in my walls. There's like, you know, because like with any video game, like the bad guys have to get tougher the more you go up. So after killing the first wave of bad guys, there's the machete gang, which yeah. apparently what I think it was you that mentioned the leader of this gang who's a bug eyed fucking maniac looking motherfucker is actually like a comedian over there or something, I think. Or was that you that mentioned that? I'm just saying that his performance is apparently very comedic if you're mm. watching it in Indonesia. So it's it's just like one of these cultural things where... You know, he's doing something that's very funny to his culture. Yeah, okay. So it's like, it's probably just in delivery that we can't really pull because we're watching a translation. Yeah, I can see that. But he does have like an interesting, very like stark delivery. You know, like, hey, hey man, what are you doing? Why are you fucking with me? You know, so like I can kind of imagine that that's funny. It's almost a nervous uh, early Buscemi and Fargo energy. Uh, yeah, I can totally see that. So, so like early on in the movie when they're about to breach the building, uh, they uh, encounter... A... This is a, yeah, this is a save the cat moment for you screenwriting students out there. <laughs> Your main character does something nice and it comes back to him later. They they encounter a tenant of the building that isn't a piece of shit, uh, low life. He's just a guy who's there for, I guess, cheap rent. And uh, his wife is sick upstairs. Uh, Bolo, our asshole cop, is a, an asshole to him. It's like, and... I'm going to beat the shit out of you because I'm a cop. <laughs> yeah, because they try to arrest him. They're one of the first people they try to arrest as they're going through the building. And, and he's like, he's got his, the pills for his wife. So. Yeah, and so and like, Rama's like, no, come on, man, let's we'll we'll, we'll escort you up to your bill up to your room. Just yeah, follow behind us. So then that's he... a video game thing, though, where like either you choose to help him or you don't. And it's like, if you do, that comes and helps you later. Exactly. It's a, it's a Mass Effect rule. <laughs> or fable. But, um, yeah. but, but, yeah. <laughs> but, yes. Yeah, but Mass Effect. Yeah, Mass Effect. Mass Whatever. Effect's way better than fable. Um, but anyways, yeah. So, after Rama takes out this whole first wave of dudes, the machete gang shows up. And so, they end up, they're heading to the guy's room already. Is, uh, because Bo's been injured. He's been shot. And, uh, yeah, they... <laughs> They get into this room and he hides him in uh, behind a fake wall that you know is just used as a stash spot for smut and drugs and or stuff. human trafficking or that too. Don't I forget guess. about human trafficking. Yeah, yes, the icing on the cake. But yeah. yeah, so they're they're in this wall and it's just it is pure suspense. Yeah, and like this is like you know. It's not a horror movie, but this moment is horrifying. Yeah. Like, if you had this moment in a horror movie, it would be very effective. Just because, yeah, they're, like, waiting, and then they look at the other end of the little 
Or the Heidi, or the Heidi section, and the guy's just stabbing, stabbing a machete through the wall for no real reason. It's not like, are there people in the walls? He's just like, no, fuck there, your house. There are people in the walls. There are people in the walls. There are people in the walls. Maybe he thinks there's people in the walls. He there could be. He's playing a paranoid, crazy person. Maybe it's possible. Is, what is that a reference to? What the fuck are you doing? It's the internet. It's a <laughs> yeah. reference to the internet. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> But we should have seen that guy doing a big line of coke off of his machete blade. Oh, that would have been awesome. <laughs> they don't. Re- yeah, these movies like it's interesting because they're just a little. I mean, even the Raid Two, which deals with bestiality, you know, bestiality. Yeah, when they were uh, going through the porno thing, and you see all the different types of porn oh, they make, okay, but we don't actually see any bestiality. No, we do see the lady with the strap on. Yeah. Oh God. Which That's is the, a, the only strong female character in the raid movies. His <laughs> <laughs> strap on girl. Oh god. <laughs> she should have had a fight scene. Oh, uh, if only we did. Anyway. That, yeah, if you want to see a dildo fight scene, you gotta watch everything everywhere all at once. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Which does, I think, owe a lot to the raid. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. How? In uh, the way that they're in the trapped in the one building throughout the whole thing. There's waves of it challenges hitting them. I think the throughout. Daniels have themselves admitted that it's like inspired by the raid to an extent because they're both very low budget. No, oh, they 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 said that. Yeah. Okay. I didn't want to just like lump in. Oh, it's a building and there's martial arts. That's the same thing. No, but you know it is like. Yeah, it's there's it's, like there's like. It's interesting because it's like a small store, but it's also very vast. You know, but like okay. technically, all of everything everywhere at once does take place in the tax in the IRS building. At least in one universe. Yeah. <laughs> They're just cutting away. Oh, my brain! <laughs> That's still still my favorite of the year. If it wasn't for Prey being as awesome as it was, I would agree. I, you know, man, if I'd seen Prey on the big screen. Yeah. Man, yeah, I was listening to a thing about how it's, like, frustrating for some people that they can't get movies like Prey on, like, Blu-ray or something. Well, no, and it's, like, Zach Krieger, who did Barbarian, is like, well, we recorded a commentary, so hopefully there will be a physical release at some point. And I'm like, fuck, yeah, dude, come on. <laughs> but, you should watch um, Barbarian, guys, on HBO Max. I don't know how long, but Barbarian, definitely one of my favorites of the year. Probably a top three for me this year. What a delight. But, uh, but anyway, so... You yes. know what would have improved Prey, though? C-Lot. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> which, getting back to the raid, so uh, Rama leaves uh, Boa with this uh, couple, and like the moment he's outside the room, machete gang fight, and it is just the fucking craziest shit. Yeah, like, I know, and it, it does have the moment where... He like throws a guy through the door, so there's like broken, splintery door frame. Okay, so I was actually just gonna ask if we accidentally uh, skimmed over that from the last fight, but that's no, in no, this that fight. was no, okay. in the machete fight. Okay, the, so like there, there's a younger machete fight, machete gang guy who's like you can tell he's the new one. You know, yeah, it's kind of like the beginning of the, yeah, it's kind of like the beginning of the Batman when they got the half Joker kid. Yeah, exactly. Who's like you got to make your bones, man. So. He's clearly just kind of going along with peer pressure, but like Rama's going through the fucking machete gang, <laughs> and he like he throws one guy through, through the door, door to break so there's... it open. <laughs> and note the door itself doesn't open; they literally just blast a hole, a big, full grown adult size hole through the door. That doesn't make any sense, does it? The door, the whole door would fall back. Yeah, yeah. I was really trying to think about. There shouldn't be a splintery door frame unless but you know what? there was like. You know the jams on the jams on the inside, 
and there's a hinge on the very bottom that's keeping it down. Maybe. That could possibly be what's going on. Plus, it could also be just really cheap, shitty wood that the door is made of. It is a pretty shitty, cheap apartment. It's the ghetto. It's the ghetto for a reason. It's cheap. But, uh, no, he fucking throws one dude through the door. But I think it's actually the bug-eyed uh, leader yeah, he throws he through the back. door. And... <laughs> He fucking, after disarming this kid, grabs him by the head, jumps backwards through the door, and fucking slams his neck down on the splintery bottom. And I'm like, and he has this look on his face like, oh my god, what have I done? And I'm like, dude, you just did like fucking murder ballet. (laughs) I'm like 20 guys before that. I know, but he was like... But like, also like, that's not a type of murder where you can be like, "Oh man, I went overboard." It's like, dude, that's premeditated murder the way you the way you choreographed that. <laughs> so, unless his instinct just took over and is like, "Ha Oh well, that door frame's super sharp. The character of Rama is a very different character from Yuda in the previous film. Like, cause he's he just goes all out on murdering anybody that stands in his way. Well, his wife is pregnant, you know. Which, as we all know, when your wife is pregnant, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> okay that's, a, that's that, a rule i'll keep that in mind yeah dying is fun and when your wife is pregnant you can do whatever <laughs> these are the rules that we've learned <laughs> thank you gareth evans thank you gareth evans but i just love how all the gangs that are all the gang that comes after them they're all wearing white shirts you know just the kind of the cheapest like the wife beaters walmart purchases of clothing and costuming you could grab no and it's very simple where like they're stuck inside with the tenants who are all, you know, they have weapons hidden out. Like the one guy who like puts his hands, he like puts his hands under his legs and he's got the machete under the table. Oh, yeah. yeah. One of the, another iconic shot from the trailer. Which we, we also kind of skimmed over the whole, the beginning of all the shit going down. So like the, um, to touch on it briefly, like, so the building gets locked down and our crime lord has some dudes go out to the front to take care of the people they got waiting for them. So... You got two snipers in a building next door. And then you have Dick Wolf level dialogue. Oh, God. Yeah. And the oh, fucking, yeah. Where like the two like, man, truck drivers are did like. Did you see the game last night? <laughs> it's like they didn't even say like the ball game, you know? Just, uh, the ball was not passed over to that person in the field. <laughs> Which reminds me of the Rick and Morty line. Come know? on, football. Play football. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they, Come on. Be football. The, these guys get cut down so hard. And we, we were talking about this during the car chase from the raid is we love really jittery squib action like yeah yeah when you're uh, dancing because you're getting shot a bunch <laughs> yeah it's like they they show the front of this swat truck which it's like first off why no bulletproof glass <laughs> and second off they just start tearing into this shit with machine gun fire and it's like you it's cool because you see the bullet holes going through the windshield and you see the blood spraying which that's already a cool enough image, but then they show the interior and the dude's just fucking getting blasted to pieces inside. I love, though, that the snipers, uh, they leave one guy wounded. Yeah, so that they can, so that when someone goes to attend to him, you know, they can shoot him, which is full metal jacket. Yeah, 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 full metal jacket. <laughs> he even stops and he's like, nope, let him scream. It's also how I played Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. I remember. Ah. <laughs> revive me! <laughs> yes, was... yes, revive him. <laughs> revive him, friends. <laughs> Aren't you going to revive in your comrade? <laughs> Sam, I don't like that you always play the Germans. <laughs> Shut up and cover the door. 
But, Let me uh, do my work. Yes, mind if you're. Um, eventually, though, we get a really fucking awesome fight between uh, Joe Taslim and Mad Dog. Yeah, <laughs> so, which, uh, this is some of the only good dialogue in the movie. Is um, Mad Dog talking about like because he's got a gun on Joe Taslim? But he's like, I don't like this. You know, I don't like a gun. You know, it's like ordering takeout. He doesn't just have a gun on him. He's got the gun and Joe Taslim has the knife. So it's like he knows he's got Joe Taslim outmatched up to begin with. But he's like, I don't want to, you know, it's like ordering takeout, man. I like to cook for myself. So he he unloads the gun, does the whole thing. And then, yeah, they're going to they're going to fight. It's like, did you watch The Dark Knight? I, too, am the Joker. (laughs) (laughs) Guns are too quick. But uh you miss all those little things. I'm yeah. something of a joker myself. Yayan's character Mad Dog, like it's not the deepest character of the three movies, but no. it's his it's just his most fun character. Like we, we, we watched that one and we just called him dog for all the other ones. Like we were like he's dog in the first one. I know he's he has mad- a real he has a real name in these other movies, but we <laughs> took that away from him. Yeah, he's mad dog here, and then he's sad dog in the next movie. Yep. Which we'll go into when we get there. But his character is mad dog. He's just like he is fucking crazy. He and is a fast mad dog. And brutal and bloody. <laughs> and, and he's uh, he I like doesn't that he's... give a shit. He just will do what he needs to do for his boss and kill whoever's in his fucking way. And I like that he's small. Yeah. Yeah. Like he kills uh, the sergeant and he's just dragging him off by the collar. Uh, and he's like this guy who's like probably got a couple more inches on him. No, Joe Taslam. Yeah. And, um... Rafa, I'll come at you like a spider monkey. <laughs> it does. He does remind me of. Of a John Woo type of character. Oh yeah, totally. And like, um, I, I feel like both of these owe a very huge debt of gratitude to oh, John Woo, yeah. especially the second one. Because I mean, like, so like, I went back for no particular reason at all and watched a trilogy of early John Woo movies recently. Maybe. Sometimes we just watch <laughs> movies for fun, you guys. And uh, what when? But uh, I found out that the those movies, Hard Boiled, The Killer, A Better Tomorrow. There's actually a genre for those type of action movies. It's called uh, Righteous Bloodshed. <laughs> I like Righteous Bloodshed. Oh, yeah, I've, I've so, heard of that type of thing. Yeah, and so like I totally see that all through the Raid's DNA with like how high and mighty uh, Rama is. No, and there's yeah, there's like an interesting thing in Asian cinema where they'll have like weird little categories, you know? Yeah. No, and um. Yeah, definitely much more in the raid too. You get like the colorful villains, which feel very John Woo. Oh yeah, but totally. also like morally complex. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's the dude in um, Hard Boiled who's like the one eyed guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. who like doesn't want to kill innocent people. Mm-hmm. He's got that great scene where he tells the uh, the nurses to go away, and then he yeah. goes crazy when they get killed. Yeah, <laughs> Hard Boiled, fucking classic. I need to see Hard Boiled of the of the movies I've seen when it comes to John Woo. It's uh, Mission Impossible Two. Ugh. Yeah, I know. What the about worst. Hard Target? Nope. Uh, the other one was... Oh, what was the other one? Oh, Face Off. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I mean, it's not a bad It's not the worst movie. No. There's it's better Nick Cage films. It's not Mission Impossible 2. There's, uh, there's worse John Travolta films. <laughs> but, uh, no. So, so yeah, and he, he, kills, he kills Joe Taslim, but it's okay, because Joe Taslim goes on to have a much more active career than anybody else in these movies. Which is a shame. He just yeah. goes to Outworld. Or wait, what is it? In, it's in Outworld. Combat? It's Outworld? Okay, it's Outworld. Yeah. I'm real sleepy right now, guys, too, so you'll have to bear with me. <laughs> Egg Shen. 
I still have yet to see Mortal Kombat. I, I you know, I mean, I'm into it. I know the cosmology of the universe, but it's like Jaka, Jaka is killed by Mad Dog and comes back as uh, Noob Cybot. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, so his brother in this is played by the same actor. Rama's who plays, brother. Yeah, yeah Rama's, Rama's brother. Yeah, Rama's brother in this is played by the same actor who plays his brother in Morantau. And has way more little... to do in this movie. Yeah, in the first movie, he seems to just be a dude who's like just chilling at home, getting high. Yeah. Like, you don't see it, but he, he looks like it. Doing homework, hanging with his buddies. Yeah, and in this one, he's like, he is one of the criminals, and he does have some cool fight scenes. Like, he, um, at one point, he's like riding down with two guys, and they're suspicious of him. It's hardly a fight. He, like, but stabs him very well, quickly. I just love the detail of the way the, the sword, the dagger goes through his neck, and you see it scraping on the, uh, oh, yeah, on the elevator wall. wall. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. It's like, that's very good details, and it's like, um, Tom Savini talks about that as, like, to make your fake stuff feel real, you have to have it, like, interact with the environment, you know? Like, when, like have an axe, like, hit a light bulb or something before going down. Yeah. It's a... He's not, like, a super... He's not, you know, he's not the most complex character, but he's definitely interesting in that he's just... He wants his brother to survive, and he still wants to keep in his job. It reminds me almost of, like, um... The good, the bad, and the ugly. How Tuco has a brother who's a priest. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of like that. And it's actually. like growing up the way we grew up. You know, you could either become a holy man or a bandit. Yeah, and it's like it's almost like hey, you can either be a cop or a criminal. Yeah, One you know, a movie would have really been cool with Celot, the, the Departed. Good, oh, <laughs> the Departed. Yeah, <laughs> I was just say the good, the bad, the ugly. The good, bad, the ugly. Yeah, or but, the Departed. Yeah, I'd watch either. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine a much more the Departed type of thing? You, you know, know it's like you know, a it's, really complicated relationship or you know, infernal affairs uh, as it is in that area you know what's funny bringing up the departed with Sealot actually is that their uh uh top brass officer that's accompanying them on this mission uh looks kind of like martin sheen in the <laughs> departed <laughs> just yeah. like the old gray-haired dude and just Although this guy, he there is a there is another fight scene late another fight scene later on when they're going through a wider open space. My favorite yeah, fight it's, um, scene. It's a meth lab. Yeah, it's like a like it's like it's a, a meth it's a lab, lab or some kind of drug. It's a, it's lab a drug or lab. Sort. It could just be like yeah, like diluting and, cocaine. And you see, but the, they got file cabinets, and file papers as well. So it's like also an office, I guess. <laughs> yeah, dude, we got to keep track of like expenses. I guess so. I guess you're right. the accountant probably works in the same space. They probably I got just, some. I suppose you guys there. are just gonna bring your own food from home. No, we got order out we got to keep receipts like in Marantau, <laughs> you're gonna bring your own office supplies maranta like the not the main boss but like the underboss he's uh, when when yuna comes in to go and get information from him it turns out he just like gets a folding table and like works out his accounting on the dance floor when the shop is closed yeah because that felt very the very pusher to me just like eh, crime sucks for the most part <laughs> Just like mostly being a criminal is being like a small business owner where people can just come in and beat the shit out of you anytime. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, in the fight scene in the drug lab, we also do get to see old dude fucking throwing some punches and he hits the one dude with the chair. And it just it's one dude with the chair. He like dunks another guy into cocaine. I absolutely <laughs> love that fight. Like I'm, you know, like, you know, watching Rama kill about a hundred thousand people all by himself is cool, but when it's a group, you know, I'm really into shit like that where we can see different styles in the battlefield, as it were. Yeah. Like, you know, the old guys going at it like a boxer brawler, just kind of punching dudes and throwing shit at them. And then there's the uh, the other guy who's like doing more of like a jujitsu, like it's like 
not as brutal kind of thing. And then you got Rama just tearing shit up on the tables. <laughs> Rama is literally super cop. Yeah. <laughs> no, which is, you know, if you watch Jackie Chan's police story, he's he becomes super cop. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, super cop is the third of the police story trilogy. Oh, interesting. Okay. I haven't watched the... I think I might have seen the first one. I've I'm never seen sure. any of them. And, uh, I think Michelle Yeoh is like, supposed to come in and replace him, but it didn't take off. Uh, oh, well. Yeah, I've never seen any of them. Yeah, well, I'd like to. The first two, I recommend more than anything, especially the first one. Criterion's got one. those, right? Yeah, yeah first one's is. fun. Every time I see that, like, fucking that, because it's got that really great Jackie Chan painted cover. Yeah. <laughs> He's so just... young in that movie. No, and it's, it's his crazy. first movie as a writer-director, too. Damn. So, yeah, if you want to get the full Jackie Chan experience, the first police story. Hell is, yeah. Uh, probably one of my favorites, and... It ends with that insane stunt where he rides down on the string lights to beat the shit out of the dude. I know. <laughs> and it's like he actually like destroyed his hands because it's like he rides down these string lights and you see the lights light bulb pop. Oh. And like he like apparently all the skin on his hands was just gone. Oh. Because <laughs> like people, you know, people think Bruce Lee was badass. You know who is one of Bruce Lee's stunt doubles? Fucking Jack. Jackie Chan. <laughs> you know, it's like, I can relate to injuries like that. It's like, I, Jesus. Oof. Yeah, dude. Like, I can't imagine being this badass. Uh, yeah. I kind of no. want to talk about, like, uh, the other criminals that are uh, the main boss guy who's just, like, this paranoid lunatic at the top of the tower. I know. He seems almost like Howard Hughes. Like, he's just standing around in his pajamas, like, looking at his security monitors. But, like, with all those monitors, was there ever a chance of them sneaking in? I don't think so. No, they never. probably didn't know. And he, and I think he did that on purpose. He's like, "Yes, come closer, come well, more into the, the nest." At, at the same time, well, yeah, because if they're like a few floors in, yeah, they're fucked. Well, at the same time too, though, and his name's Tama, by the way. He's played by Ray Sa Ray Sa Sahatapi. I don't know. You pronounce that? Of course. <laughs> I just handed off to Sam. It's pronounced exactly as it's spelled. Yeah. I don't know, where, but uh, where is it on here? Uh, right there. Okay, yeah. Uh, Reyes, Reyes Yeah, he plays Tama, who's our our uh, drug lord in this one, and uh, it's revealed later on that uh, you know these guys were set up. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's not out of the realm of possibility that maybe they even the higher ups in the police, the corrupt police force might have tipped him off hey we're gonna throw you this guy so do your thing that kind of confused me honestly like no this, there's this a double there's this a, series of double crossing that's going on in this movie and there is a shot in the security camera footage where it cuts to a close-up <laughs> it's like a wide shot of all the SWAT guys and then he looks at the security camera and then it's a close-up shot of eco Elias. yeah <laughs> it's like uh-oh you know what's another thing I like about the SWAT dudes and, and their and their loadouts is they're all using silenced weapons, but they don't sound like generic movie silenced weapons. No, yeah, it they sounds, just sound like slightly suppressed, which is what, it, what it's is very accurate. Mostly the kickback from the uh, from the guns going off, which and that in itself is a really fucking cool sound effect. <laughs> yeah. Now, and there's some great parts like 
shooting a hole in the ground like in uh, Escape from New York, you know? No, they didn't or, shoot the hole in the ground. He hacked it with the well, axe. It, it hacked but then, and then they the eventually next, shot the next part, the... they have to shoot their way down and then jump down. Yeah. Well, no. Because yeah. there's like bunches of dudes shooting yeah. from, from, from below, and so which, they shoot from above. Which them. is when Boa gets hit and is out of commission. But yeah, I love, though, when Boa gets shot, he gets shot twice. Once in the chest, and one of the bullets blows his ear off. And oh, they yeah. go into the Saving Private Ryan thing where it's just that ee, that high pitched ring, and that's when and all the other sound is suppressed and muffled. That's when you see the dudes come up and just start blasting the whole with, and you, you just hear that as they're just blowing this fucking hole even wider, uh, and it just looks and sounds so awesome. And that's <laughs> when he grabs the fridge and throws a butane can in it. A propane tank. Yeah, and fucking pops a grenade into it. Uh, you know what would really help the King of the Hill? <laughs> propane accessories? And C-Lot. C-Lot, C-Lot accessories. <laughs> would have loved to have seen that episode... Of uh, you know, we we talk about Dale Gribble when he gets his <laughs> he gets the suit of armor. <laughs> no, imagine imagine you hear Dale Gribble shasha, and then he just like totally destroys you with Sea Lot, Sea Lot and Pocket Sand. I swear though, if I was in an action movie, I would start carrying Pocket Sand. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I mean, what are we? What are we like? What are we fighting with honor here? Come on, or, or at least Ninja Sand. Yeah, what's the go. difference? Uh, it's uh, ground up glass. Yeah, oh, so it's like it's really okay. hard to get the the more you rub it, the more it like gets into you. Okay, I see. Yeah, it comes in like black eggs, right? Yep. Yeah. Oof. Oh, that's what they were. They're black eggs. Yeah. Yeah, Pretty black crazy, eggs right? are like <laughs> these these really fragile eggs full of like powdered ground glass. glass, and you throw that, so it's like a dust bomb, but it's really dangerous. <laughs> Just throw that in a guy's face, and it's like, oof. Yep, that's the guy. That guy's out of commission. I know Rama's too honorable to like take weapons from people he kills usually until like eventually he does. Uh, That's not true. Doesn't he take he, he takes machetes off when he's fighting the dudes? He takes knives when he's fighting dudes. Yeah, but he doesn't keep them. Well, he doesn't keep them, but I mean, you know, he uses them in the moment. He doesn't have the inventory space. It's like condemned criminal. <laughs> it's like condemned criminal origins where you use something twice and you have to throw it away. <laughs> yeah, basically. Did anybody play that game? I remember when it came out. You have it's to take pictures of crime scenes. It's fun. Yeah, you know, this movie's just like it's just so much great action and it's just nice to watch it in simplicity like you could just kind of like you turn no, your brain this off isn't, this chill isn't, and watch it yeah this isn't mouth of madness where we can debate about what they were trying to talk about what does it mean what does the raid i think it represents uh you know like how capitalistic uh, pursuits actually make victims of us all you that know that sounds about right they're trying to make their way up to that deluxe apartment in the sky and all it causes them is pain it's very. It, it, in a way, he, it is kind of like um. Uh, he does Fury say that road in that you know it's a, uh you know um that hierarchies are bad or at least the people in the in the hierarchy are like you know bad people. Yeah, and um, but he does say like you know to the corrupt cop, it's like they'll never let you. Jo- they'll never let them join you at the top. You'll always be looking up. Yeah, and that's what makes him blow the mob boss's brains out. Which, yeah. you know, if we were really going to do an accurate Super Mario Brothers movie, it should be like The Raid. Because <laughs> every Super Mario Brothers movie, every Super Mario Brothers game that I ever played was just about making it up levels. That's true. But, uh... That's n- only Donkey Kong. Not like that. Is Donkey Kong going to be in the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Joe, uh, not, um, Joe Rogan? That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> not Joe Rogan. Uh, Seth Rogan. 
<laughs> That's so crazy, Diddy Kong. Have you ever done DMT? <laughs> Damn. Too bad that's not gonna happen. <laughs> what was his what was his catchphrase in the cartoon show? Banana Kislama? Really? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, never mind. I don't I even feel, want to do I, my I, Joe Rogan joke anymore. Banana Kislama. Banana, banana Kislama, but you know, like where do these bananas come from? We gotta protect the crystal coconut. King K rule. <laughs> we gotta be nice to our cyberspace neighbor Joe Rogan. <laughs> but uh, no, we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> but well, but you're comparing uh, the raid to it is very much a simple video game. But you know, if we do a Mario remake, we're not making it like that awful Bob Hoskins movie. No, we're gonna make it like that awful Chris Pratt movie. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. It could be good. It could be fun. Mushroom Kingdom. Here we come. Yeah, Jack, Jack I'm psyched. Black. Jack Black's going to save that movie. Jack Black is, is. is going to be amazing. Everyone in that casting is amazing. Except, except, Chris, Pratt. except Chris Pratt. But who knows? Maybe they maybe he could like surprise us all. I'm going to keep I'm I'm going to be excited and <coughs> no matter what it's going to be better than that awful awful Bob Hoskins movie. Meh. You're just trying to hurt me. <laughs> mm. Let's raid this movie. <laughs> uh well, I'd say this movie is like I think I think it's in our top five favorite action films of all time, right? Absolutely. No, I, could, I could put this on anytime. Yeah, it's it's definitely up there with like Fury Road, uh, John Wick One. Yeah, no, fucking Desperado. Yeah, Desperado. in terms of action movies that you can really just pop on, uh, any of Kill Bill Woo's Volume early, One, oh, any yeah. of John Woo's early stuff. Yeah, so I would give it a <laughs> nine out of ten. I'm gonna go with a nine point five. Yeah. Nope. No decimals. All right, nine out of ten. Yeah, I'm with I'm with them. Straight nines across the board. Fuck yeah, this movie's awesome. But but will the sequel be as good? Will they raid two? The raid two. Rama raid was a simple cop with a simple job. Go to prison as an undercover cop by punching a politician's son to get close to the mob boss's son to get dirt on the bad cops and send them to jail. But things go from simple to complicated when it turns out Sonny is tired of working for his dad's mob and works with supervillain Banjo to take over the city, sparking things off by killing his friend Sad Dog. As Rama learns his unwinding plot, he decides he needs to do the one thing he's here for. Beat people up and kill the bad guys, because he's the good guy. But can Rama survive a fight between two gangs? Who knows? You won't, because that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, I just posed this question off the record, but I'm going to do it on the record. Is The Raid 2 essentially a Godfather 2-esque movie of action movies? I would almost compare it more to The Godfather. Because um, part of The Godfather is dealing with like generational handoff, mm-hmm. you know? And like that's sort of the tension you have here is like you have um, Ucho, who is almost like, um, what's his name? The uh, James Caan character. Yeah, he's uh, Sonny. Sonny. 
Oh, yeah, <laughs> well, see, you're you're going into an over analytical thing. I'm talking more in the sense of quality, a, se- yes. a sequel, a sequel that blew us all away. Yes, yeah, yes. No, this is the Terminator Two. This is the Godfather Two. This is the Empire Strikes Back. This is this the is, Empire. Yeah, this is the gold standard for sequels. Like the first film is so fucking fantastic on its own. How are you going to top what we just saw? And Gareth Evans does it with ease <laughs> oh that, are you gonna say like, how do we top god how do we top the raid too it's like we don't <laughs> like he, well no he well in a way yeah he uh he he doesn't do the same thing no that, no uh, I, yeah no i just meant beyond the raid too. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah that and then that's, that's it, it. Yeah. that's all folks yeah it's, it's a shame we we might or might not ever get the raid three i mean how how many decades was it between godfather two and three well, I really, well, I'm not. I'm not hoping for that to happen. No, but like, what's cool is you could do an old Rama thing. You know, that would be awesome. Like he just goes and retires, you know, or something, and like he's he's just trying to live his life. And you they're know, like we need your help, and he's like, I'm chopping wood right now. But I, I don't do C lot anymore. Or you know, you know, another avenue you could take with a, a legacy sequel to Raid uh, Raid Two is, you know, what would be a lot cooler of a movie with C lot taken. <laughs> Uh, yeah sure yeah okay no it would be yeah no have him come after his family and it's like okay i stopped at murdering these gangs now i'm just gonna murder the whole fucking world oh you're saying a taken plot in uh the raid yeah, yeah exactly oh, okay gotcha yeah, not liam neeson doing c oh okay although that would have been cool sure. <laughs> it would have been cool to see him try yeah <laughs> i think would've... he's too little too frankenstein-y to do c i don't know I but, have a um... special set of skills you know, like it's a it's a good movie, The Raid Two. I feel like it kind of gets a little overcomplicated in some points. Like, no, but you know, we we watched Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Now that's overcomplicated. Yeah, no, I think, sure. Yeah, I think this the, has pretty distinct divisions, but there is comp- complexity that's kind of part of the plot. Yeah, I, where, I, where it's like the double crossings and the uh, internal like struggles going on with uh, the bad guys and everything. Honestly, I feel like the thing that complicates the raid too, for the most part, because I mean, having gone back and watched this movie repeatedly uh, in recent months, you know, the story is not all that hard to follow. You know, you have Rama, who's an under a deep cover operative for this uh, crime uh, crime corruption uh, unit. Um, he's tasked with following around this high-ranking kingpin's son as ucho ucho as a way to kind of get close to the got the kingpin himself so they can weed out corrupt cops meanwhile you have this little joker-esque prick uh beho bengu uh he uh he's pretty much kind of set to kind of turn both of these factions against each other, the Japanese and uh, Bangun's uh, yeah, the, crew. Yeah, the so that, mob. So that they'll destroy each other, and he can then rise up and do his own thing. So it's not really all that complicated to follow. I feel like... Oh, Bangun's the shades, and Bangun's the guy. The main Bangun, guy. yeah. And I feel okay. like what makes the Raid 2 a little complicated to follow is actually what you mentioned earlier, Sam, about... Uh, the language you know it's like the subtitles the translation like it's 
it's all so fast that it's kind of tough to keep up with at times. Yeah. I know. And there is a scene where the Japanese kid and the Indonesian guy are talking to each other in English. Yeah. And there's and no uns- subtitles yeah, for it. Unsubtitled, broken English. So it's but, just like, oof. But it's not like super least, important that we get subtitles on that one because I don't no. think anything of importance really like plus is discussed there. Plus, Asian tra- turned into broken English is still a thousand times more decipherable just from ear only than our villain from Marantau. Which is interesting because one of them was, I guess he was doing a French accent maybe. Well, the first guy was. I don't know about the other brother. I don't know well, what Because he was ex- actually French. Yeah. The, I, I wonder if the other guy is like, I don't know, it's like kind of like Belgium. <laughs> maybe but uh no raid 2 it it opens shortly after i don't think it's right after the end of the first film well no it does it's kind of it's no, more it, or less it opens it opens in the field with uh rama's brother well i'm, I'm, yeah, I'm trying right. i'm trying to figure out timeline like where it opens but at the same time though um while Rama's brother being executed by Beho in the field, while that could possibly be sometime past the events of the first film, uh, I know I noticed uh, the Raid 2's for, like intro is very non-linear. It's kind of jumping around, so it's like you have... Uh, yeah, you have the brother in the field, you have uh, Rama in his like debriefing after the events of the first movie, and then you have him... Bad in- lieutenant gets killed... Yeah. yeah, just not just killed. Like we can't afford the same actor, so we got to blow his face off. <laughs> and and um, angry guy, he's there, and they just kind of wheel him away. And he's yeah. like, "Be careful," which is like your first hint that like even this quote unquote good cop that we're working with might be you know not, not all there. Not well, not a hundred percent trustworthy. Yeah, but uh, and then we're also cutting to him in this bathroom, like waiting for like just get his ass kicked by a bunch of gang members yeah in the prison but we're also jumping around to seeing like uh apparently like did they th- th- like everybody died in the raid yeah they and find the did truck they uh, they said all 18 are dead to the bad cops so i guess they're also faking rama's death yeah they're faking rama and i guess the other guy's death but rama's the only one that's going to be going deep undercover now but mm-hmm. uh like I feel like the bad the bad cops have not heard about the arresting of Rama. Well, because he gets arrested as Yuda. Oh, he gets arrested as Yuda. That's right. Okay. Which, so yeah, and his yeah. Oh, which by the way, br- bringing back his name in Marintau, that's his undercover name is Yuda. Which you know, I wonder <laughs> if like he just went back to his old persona after faking his death. Ooh, yeah. This is a du- this is a double agent shit here going on. Tenant. Tenant. <laughs> <laughs> There yeah, he, go. He, faked, he faked his death at the end of Marintown to prove that he was worthy and that allowed him to become a cop. There's exactly. our second. There's there we got two tenant references in one episode. We haven't had uh, we were on a streak of no tenant references. It's actually the same reference going forwards and backwards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um and he, he and it's a brutal like bathroom fight too like because like everybody's just pouring into this stall and he's just taking them all one by one as best he can until eventually the doors bust and then he's just crowded yeah so to get in so to get into jail and also into the uh, good graces of this indonesian crime boss guy ucho he wheelchairs (laughs) a a politician's son and this certain politician is who put ucho behind bars yeah and so it's like a good way to like get him on in the good graces and and it's important to note too 
that the head of the undercover unit assures Rama if he goes in, he'll only be there a few months. (laughs) Cut to two years later, he gets out. But we're skipping ahead a little because we we have this movie's not exactly wall to wall breakneck action shit like the first one was but it it's pretty spread out but when we get them it is just unforgettable and past uh rama getting the shit kicked out of him in the bathroom stall we have one of the best set pieces in this movie in the prison yard certainly my favorite in the movie that's your favorite yeah yeah again, there's a lot of fight there's a lot of shifting loyalties because ucho has a gang in the in the jail who betrays him and tries to assassinate him and because the whole reason ram is in jail is to try to get with ucho he has to protect ucho yeah so there's a great scene where everything slows down as these guys are walking up to like fucking stab ucho and rama has a has like a broom which so slowly unscrewing it just to touch on the quality of these films also so we were stoked when we found out they shot the first raid using the same model camera that we started out using at Broward College the Panasonic AF100 raid 2 they're using reds apparently yeah, no, they're on the they're on the red, which is like you know that's just reflective of a Hollywood budget. So it's like just the jump in quality, like this. Uh, no, it, and the slow motion's way better. The uh, the grain, the so color temperature's way better. It's this all this goes back to what I mentioned earlier about Gareth Evans getting even better with each movie at building suspense. Most of it is shot in slow motion, like, and you're seeing a lot of like extraneous details, like the water dripping into buckets and. No, and I do love a good karate movie that takes the time for like little details like that. Mm-hmm. And then once he's got that broom handle unscrewed, we're fucking a hundred miles an hour. <laughs> Which you know, Gareth Evans, if you're listening, and I know you are, uh, was that an homage to Coming to America, where they're robbing the uh, fast food restaurant and Eddie Murphy has to quietly unscrew his broom handle before using Sealot to huh. kill all of the robbers? Yeah, you know what though? That's Coming to America. Is a uh, wouldn't have been wouldn't Black Panther have been fun if it was all about him coming to America and he's ha- <laughs> has to hide the fact that he's a Black Panther and then using Sea Lot when he needs to and using Sea Lot yeah <laughs> let's oh, combine Almighty, Almighty let's combine the raid with coming to America and make a Black Panther movie <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no the prison fight is just brutal like you're seeing dudes get fucking whole legs sliced apart with shivs <laughs> I know there's a lot of legs being sliced up in these movies a lot of bones being broken in very odd ways you know, like a like, dude get, goes to kick uh, yuda and like his and then yuda grabs his leg and then bends his leg backwards essentially <laughs> at the knee he's still rama no, i'm gonna go with yuda he's undercover don't no, blow no. his cover i was looking it up <laughs> yeah, and dude, um, be cool so this was originally written as a follow-up to marantau called barandal okay and no. it would have just been a story about a young man uh, rising through the ranks of a gang war after being imprisoned and uh, making friends with a gang war, a gang leader's son. <coughs> I feel like so. After the success of the raid, he kind of turned that into a sequel by kind of adding the police subplot, which is why this movie might be a little more complicated, a little bloated, yeah, a little bloated, a little forced in the character because because you do 
you do you cut away from Rama for forty five minutes to follow other interesting hitman characters. Oh my god, yeah. So we get so we have uh what was his name again? The actor that played Mad Dog? Um uh, yeah, 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 He comes back as Sad Dog, as we call him. Uh play he's just a raggedy looking hitman who just kills the fuck out of anyone that he's got in his sights we have a really great scene where he hounds this guy down he's wielding a machete but he does not use it at all on any of the guy's henchmen that he sends out after him and only uses it on the guy himself but he is not the only awesome hitman character we get in this because we're also introduced to Batboy and Hammer Girl and our really fun friend, Mr. Curved Knives. I like to call him Knife Stash. Knife Stash. Yeah, he's like if a you put tiny, his knives together, dude. it's like a it's like a mustache. Ah, uh-huh, and he Ooh. stashes them behind him in yeah. the little things. So yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. That it. means things, I think. I feel like you could sit down wrong and like stab yourself really easily. Well, they're in some pretty thick sheaves. Oh, okay. And they're like on his back pocket. Like yeah. they're not really like in his back too much. It's like a utility belt kind of thing. But all these hitmen are and the hit girl are fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, we got Bat Boy, Hammer Girl, and these are all their names in the in the script, so it's not like we're making it up. Although Sad Even Dog is did, not his cares? name. <laughs> Even if we did, we're having fun with it. Like this movie is having fun with just like having wacky hitmen characters that are just like nothing like the the first one. Like even though it's got a bit of like like you you do have to kind of have a bit of a suspension of disbelief in that everyone knows Sealot in this world. Yeah, and, and like because like I don't think there's ever really a time where Rama's fighting somebody who doesn't know how to like defend fight themselves. back a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, and except for when you're going through just the nameless henchmen who are just getting destroyed, they don't know how to fight for shit. <laughs> well, like when she goes, when Hammer Girl's fighting the yakuza on the subway, they all just have like the little knives that they pull out of the wooden sheaths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just looks cool, but like you know, you're gonna die. You're gonna, you're gonna die. <laughs> yeah, and she, oh god, that see, that's my favorite sequence in the movies when we're introduced to these three characters because they're cutting, they're going after three individual targets for the yakuza. And yeah, it's a murder montage to put Godfather to shame. Yeah, and so they're well, they're not just going after uh, Yakuza; they're going after both sides. Are they going after both sides? Yeah, because these are Beho's people. So yeah, he's he's he's, he's trying he's, to instigate a war between the two factions. He's Iago, you know. He's well, he's no, bad. yeah, but I thought it was just going after Yakuza to make it look bad for Bango. <laughs> no, yeah, they're. He, I think they're going after both sides, and. Uh, yeah, man, they kill the fuck out of these people. The hammer fight in the su- in the train car is fantastic. I love the buildup of the bat of Bat Boy dragging this aluminum baseball bat along the ground. You just hear it clinking as he's going, scraping. I know, and he like kills one guy with it, and he asks the other guy to like throw them the ball back, and the guy yeah, he, throws the ball out he, the window. He fucking he uses a baseball to murder one guy, and then hits the his target with another one. And I love this. I love that one especially too, because it's like with each hit, it's like the moment he brings the bat down on the guy, it cuts to a shot from behind him. Then he hits him again, and it cuts further away. Hits him again, it cuts further away. I, that's such a cool image. No, that's a very film school shot. 
He's I a, love it though. <laughs> the editing of just like yeah, cutting to a wider. So shot there, there's hit. way more frantic cutting throughout this movie. There's another fight scene which we haven't touched on is uh, in the uh, the porno studio. Yeah, they're they're going around collecting debts and. Um, yeah, before we meet uh, the our many henchmen, our many like hitman characters that are all throughout, is that we're seeing that Ocho's goal is to just kind of be the new like master criminal mastermind for his dad, and he wants to prove it by like shaking down dudes like that. Well, no, but he, it's just not enough. He he wants end. to prove himself with bigger tasks, and all his dad is giving him is lowly collections gigs like this one. Yeah, but he's still like wanting to prove himself by doing stuff like this. Yeah, no, and it's um. At the cool shot where the you see the shotgun and the reflection of the puddle, yeah. So the, yeah. essentially, these guys they own a uh, a, a, a small little porno operation. They're doing this unspeakable things to people, and uh, like walls of DVDs burning. Yeah, and you can see like porno. it's like woman woman with woman with dog. <laughs> You know, two women with dog, like all these different like there's categories. A, there's oh. actually a pegging scene being shot behind a curtain in the back corner while they're having this meeting, and it's so funny. Like the the chick comes out with like a fucking what foot and a half long strap on. She's got, she's got uh, what's known as the kid cutty, <laughs> <laughs> the soup can. <laughs> but uh, it's funny. She's bitching about the guys squirming around, moaning in there, and he's like, ah, "Just get back in there, and fuck that guy's ass." <laughs> but uh, they apparently just pick up hitchhikers to get pegged yeah but, exactly no these guys though it they found out that uh they're selling uh cocaine and stuff in their turf so yeah you gotta pay more now and yeah, sell other products this leads just such a great fight scene where <laughs> i love like, that crazy guy yeeting himself out the window <laughs> yeah okay yeah so this this goes back to what i said earlier about gareth evans grad uh improving tech uh technically as well as as a director uh, with actors, uh, so the guy they're after in this, he starts running down this table towards Ucho, and uh, before he can get to him, he just kind of dives off. He like dodges to the side through a window, and what's cool is there's a uh, a cam op in front of him that's kind of tracking him backwards, like as he runs down the uh, the table. And the moment they get to a stopping point, when the guy jumps through the window, camera operators standing in front of a doorway. <laughs> so when the guy jumps from the table through the window, cam op throws the fucking camera into the next room where another cam op catches it and falls down to the ground with the actor. Like, holy shit. <laughs> No, and it's like that's why that shot was in the trailer because it's just so cool. The yeah. choreo, the just the camera choreography in this movie is mind blowing. As a camera enthusiast myself, this is just masturbatory levels of holy shit shots. <laughs> now, and we get some cool car chases. Like there's a great there's a great scene where he gets into a cab and a bunch of cops just try to murder him at once. Like they just so, break all the windows at yeah. once. So one thing you mentioned is in addition to the red, they used a GoPro also, right? Yeah, you can see GoPro shots peppered throughout, especially in the car chase shit, because it's hard to fit a camera in a car. Yeah, uh, and she so built a little car set, which they. <laughs> Definitely did for the top down shot. Yeah. yeah. Where you can see like the top of the car like all the way around. Like that's definitely like they 
cut off the top of a car for that. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I would even argue also, even in the cab scene, when you it's the top down and you see all the hands just reaching and stabbing and poking at Rama. <laughs> it doesn't seem to be stabbed at all. Like he, just he gets, gets one bad cut. No, he's he's cut the fuck up in that in that bathroom I, afterwards. Oh well, he only he's only dealing with one of them. Maybe yeah, one of them. I mean, he's got cuts and scrapes all over his face from them poking at him with these knives. But um, but he's a little badass. Yeah, he he's a little badass. Uh, we get a lot more character stuff in this though, in regard not so much with Rama, unfortunately, but with everyone else. And Rama's yeah. just kind of there. Like we get. The main big conflict in this one with these other characters is Ucho wanting to prove himself to his dad, but his dad is only giving him lowly fucking collections uh, gigs, which he thinks he's above. You know, it's he's very much the rich, spoiled kid. Like, there's a scene where they're in a uh, parlor with... Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, um, it's like a, a karaoke, karaoke yeah. parlor. sex parlor. No, and, it's, uh, you, 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 you have... Um, in Asia, you go whenever you go to a karaoke bar, you can like pay a girl to like essentially hang out with you. Yeah, and but... the understanding is that if you pay them enough, yeah. Oh, is that what? Oh, I thought they were straight up prostitutes. No, that's how I mean, he was they could have been. No, that he's they're they're not supposed to be, but like the they implication is that yeah. But uh, uh, no, he there's very big. So much of this fucking movie. There, there's very big. You know who my dad is. Energy in this scene where he, like this one girl. There's two girls with him. One of them knows her place, for lack of a better way Oof. of putting that, and it's like gets really afraid when her friend starts bitching and talking back to Ucho, who mm-hmm. <laughs> just, I know, and she kind of, but she also reads him for filth, where she's like, "Yeah, you shouldn't be so fucking insecure." Then, yeah, and it's like, yeah, then he's like trying to shove the microphone up between her legs which i'm like i'm glad we didn't go to Morantau level yeah right you're gonna fuck or you're gonna sing pick one <laughs> now you see this would would have been interesting as if rama and ucho actually had a friendship yeah. yes that's my big gripe thinking about this movie is rama's character in this is nothing he's just kind no. of there. like he's just kind of there he's not really he doesn't have any power over the plot except for to beat people up when he has to no fuck and like yeah. by the end he does he like the wheel a little bit when he drives into that warehouse, but yeah, and then he kills everybody. And it's like, okay, but what's his motivation? Is it just because I have a I have a wife the, and kid? He's the good guy. It's just that he's the good guy and he has to kill everyone. No, and that's well, why see, you his, know, his perhaps whole... this could have been more interesting if it was another raid sequel. His yeah, that's whole... what. I, yeah, when you're describing Barenthal, that sounds like damn it. That sounds way more interesting. That's kind of a. It's like that that Joker comic if it didn't suck. Yeah, and it, you know, um, but. It is. It's still interesting. We're dealing with um, the threads, like it's the war, but not a, they create a war between the Yakuza and the Jakarta mob, mm-hmm. which is like really good because it's the the two dads that are worried about their kids. You know, it's like, oh, you know, my son's all crazy. Well, I don't know if the Jap the Japanese guy doesn't seem too disappointed or worried about his kid. His about kid. his no, but they're talking about like wait, yeah. who's his kid? The the dude who comes in at the end. That's his kid. Yeah, it's his son. Yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, the J-pop looking dude. They don't really spend enough time with them to make that clear, but yeah, I know they don't. I feel like they were going to be really important if they did the raid three, or if they did Barenthal. There is like I know for a fact that there's a script for the raid three because he talked about it. Also, another thing, really quick, I just want to say, uh, returning another returning actor in this one for Bayho, it's uh, Alex Abad who played Johnny in uh, Marantau. Oh, yeah, Johnny is the pussy pimp boy in that one. 
Yeah, but now he's back as the uh, crazy, you know, mastermind destroyer of worlds in this one. <laughs> he is more of a pimp, though, because he has a cane. Yeah. yeah. But he's also got a limp, too. And he's also dressed all the time, just fully covered in, like, suits and shades and jackets and no, shit. No, and that's where it's like, you know, the raid, you could argue, is, like, semi-realistic. But, like, with all these characters, like, we're in anime territory almost. Yeah, Qu- practically. Question. Did... And I probably just don't remember, but uh, did we uh, did we actually see Johnny get killed in Marintal? I don't think so. I don't think he gets killed. Yeah, because Matt, because I mean, Beho's walking with a pretty distinct limp, has to get around with his. <laughs> oh cane. no! Oh no! He just got beaten up real bad by Yuta, and he came back with a better dance hall. <laughs> Only um, to be beat down by fake Yuda. <laughs> and, uh... The, 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 it almost sounds like we don't love this movie, which we totally do. We're just trying to give it, like, actually break it down as a story. Yeah. Because, like, it does not... It, like, it goes... It just goes off, you know? It's like we meet Sad Dog and we spend, like, a short film getting to know Sad Dog. Before he's killed by Knife Stash. Yeah. And, you know, you have, like, Save the Cat moments where he, like, he, he has, like, he buys a meal, but he leaves half of it for a stray dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You and know, the it is, dog like, saves him from being killed with his crazy <laughs> kung fu abilities. The oh, dog jumps looking a little rough. Dog jumps in oh. and starts fighting with Sea Lot. Yeah. <laughs> there we are. Saves him from knife stash. But uh um Yeah, no, it's it's definitely way more of a technical marvel than a story marvel. It's we've seen this story play out in certain other forms other times before. Um Departed. Yeah, the Departed is the big one that comes to mind. For me though, the big standout sequence technically though is the car chase. We get a car chase in this where uh, Ucho... Ucho um, yeah, Ucho has killed his own dad. Yeah. He's and, gone full bad guy, full uh, uh, Ren... Um, Kylo Ren Stimpy. Yeah. yeah Kylo Ren. Let the, pa- let the past burn. Let the past die. Let the past die. Kill, Kill it if you, you have, have to. to. And then he kills his dad and almost kills uh, Iza, their second hand... Yeah, he's the he's the Tom Hagen, and he's revealed to be a fellow undercover cop because he warns um, Rama about the situation. Yeah, and then when Rama tries to talk to his cop guy, he's like, "That guy's that guy's fucking full of shit. He's a he's a corrupt." And it's like, "But he saved my life." So that goes back to like, is the cop running the whole operation also kind of corrupt? I don't mm. know. That's a good question. He could be corrupt. He could just be like too far into the situation paranoid maybe either but, too um, paranoid or too uh, too concerned with like you know moral superiority perhaps yeah but because he saves ika when they're it, you know which once again they do the thing where it's like rather than just fucking shoot ram in the face like they just did to the other guy they're like well, take him well no they they give uh uh they give uh ucho the choice they're like hey what do you want to do with this guy but he's just catatonic from having popped his father right in the face. So so it doesn't matter. To, so yeah, but they're like, I yeah, feel just, like just, just shoot him, him anyways. I don't know. Like, why do we need to? Because they don't tie him up. And like, he like wakes up in the back of the car and they look at him like, well, what are you going to do? Hmm. It's like, it's like, it's like that great shot moment in Halloween 2018 when uh, the doctor, crazy fucking doctor, has Michael in the back of the police car with Allison. And <laughs> he stops the car. It's like, oh, what did Michael say? Next thing you know, you just hear breathing. And they look over and he's sitting up. <laughs> just like, 
murder time. That's the best shot ever when she looks and he's already wearing the mask. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, so uh, we get this car chase, though. Yeah, which I'm like, you know, as much as I love the opening of Deadpool, it's like, what if it was like this? Yeah. yeah. And it's just the craziest fucking shit. And so they have a behind the scenes documentary, which I wish we'd had time to watch before recording this because I really would like Chris and Sam to see the how they made most of this shit. I think I saw a lot of it when the movie was first being released, but yeah, it's very it's very cool shit. And in I'm this sure. car in this car chase, you know, you have the way the way they explained it, you have a very mobile camera. Probably the GoPro for for a lot of the stuff. Mm-hmm. But there you have a guy on a cam op who's on a motorcycle chasing after these cars to get the exteriors but then you would have moments where he literally passes the fucking camera into one of the cars where they'll start shooting the footage of uh, uh rama just kicking everyone's ass in the car that he's in or showing ika uh trying to keep up with them next thing you know the camera would get passed to someone on the other side of the car who is strapped to the outside of the fast moving car and they're like if if you mess up the shot we're gonna just cut you loose <laughs> Jesus. who would then pass it to motorcycle man so like again. the making of this movie was like fury road it is yeah, the it just like on those weird like big thing, is, the weird little uh the, 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 the poles. poles yeah it is just the craziest fucking shit i remember just my jaw hit the ground watching this whole making of thing so yeah i as much as i love story wise i love the three uh hitman sequence and the way it's cut together but technically the car chase is my favorite no, and yeah, so yeah, it's just I wonder if like it's victim of its own success with so many other things. You know, it's like it has to be a sequel to the raid, and it's a little rushed because we're trying to capitalize on the success of the raid. Because yeah. it's only two years past the raid. Yeah, but what I do know is like all the fights had already been choreographed. Oh, okay. Wait, so it's what? like they rewrote the story. Yeah, he was trying to get funding for Barenthal when he did the raid. Oh. So Barenthal was supposed to be like the big follow-up to Marenthal and like it wasn't working out so like he wanted to do something that was low budget so Oh well I didn't know that he was already just kind of like shooting stuff uh, as it was Well you to uh, properly pitch a martial arts movie you do like um like a little demo like, reel like a high re- you know yeah like they did that for Deadpool mm-hmm. you know So like you show some That was animated movie. silly <laughs> They didn't do anything Yeah no that's <laughs> true but for in for this one he yeah, so he had already planned on utilizing all these characters in some way. So, in a weird way, it's like he had to kind of rewrite the story around all these fight scenes, which is why it just feels almost like a like you put on an album. Yeah, and you know, it's like, hey, it doesn't need to be. It's not. It's not Bertolt Brecht. Sure, but you know, the carnage as these fight scenes go on, though, it's just unreal. Like, and when Sad Dog gets killed and it's snowing. Yeah, so that one time it snows cool. in Jakarta. Yeah, it doesn't snow in Indonesia, you guys. That's magic. But uh, no, my 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 personal favorite <laughs> bit of gore in this is when uh, fucking uh, we have uh, Rama being chased by a bunch of police officers trying to kill him, and they break into a restaurant and continue fighting. And he just presses one dude's face down on a hibachi stove. <laughs> 
Burns his ear off too. Burn, like, he damn. He just melts the whole side of this guy's poor guy's face, <laughs> and it is the nastiest looking awesome thing ever. We also later on get when Rama uh, raids uh, Beho's restaurant. <laughs> We get him fighting each of the three hitmen, well, the two hitmen and the hit girl. We get him fighting Knife Stash, Hammer Girl, and Bat Boy. And the Bat Boy and Hammer Girl fight in particular is just fucking off the wall because he's obviously he's fighting two people with now, no weapons. They one's got the bat, the other's got two hammers, and he just fucking lays waste to these two people. The the Hammer Girl fair. kill the Hammer Girl kill yeah that sucks I, I loved Hammer Girl simp for Hammer Girl yeah but, it's like um, you you know she's deaf but like he knocks off her sunglasses and you can see she's got like a burn like where one of her eyes is so yeah, it's like these it's were like, clearly abused children that were raised into killers but you know what they're gonna die now. you're gonna die yeah. anyway and he <laughs> but, puts the claw in her neck and just fucking rips her throat which it, which is cool but we've seen plenty of throat rips in movies right. before. That boy, though, gets all up in his feelies watching, I'm guessing, his sister get just totally fucking hammer-clawed in the throat. And so he starts getting sloppy. And eventually Rama fucking... The walls in this hallway are made of glass, too. Fucking knocks this guy into the wall, kicks him in the throat so that he can't really react. Takes this bat and hits him so hard in the face... (laughs) That it like whip pan, it does like a full 360 whip pan, and he lets go of the bat, and it's just stuck there in the guy's face. Fantastic. <laughs> so yeah. great. It's pretty chef's kiss. That is just epic. beautiful. And then we have a fight with Bendy Knife Guy, <laughs> tiny, intense <laughs> mustache stash. man. Nice like, dash. Well, no, this is this is our true boss fight of the movie yes. because it's like you can truly see it in stages, you know. He starts with his health bar at a hundred percent, and he's just fist fighting Sealot with the guy with Rama, like fucking with him too. Like he gets into like regular like fight stances together. They'll throw like a few hits at each other and then stop, and then and then back to back to positions. Yeah, it's like it's like, it's like, it's like a, a tournament. Twin peaks of the return. It's like starting positions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, and <laughs> then he he gets fifty. He gets down to fifty percent health. That's when the knives come out. It's, oh shit! This is even harder. Oh, then he no. gets down to twenty five percent, and he loses one of his knives to Rama. And you get to get that knife to fight back with it. And there's some crazy like the, like they link knives. Yeah, uh, even though there's these tiny curved blades, they like link them and like. You know, just like it's crazy fighting going on. There's just blood everywhere. By the end of the fight, it's just the floor is just covered in blood. Yeah, he yeah. slices knife stash to ribbons with these fucking knives. I do wonder why we don't get more of like in The Simpsons where you just slip on blood and you die. Yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> Especially on a tile floor like that kitchen. That happens lo- in Halloween too, where the guy slips in a puddle of blood and he survives the movie because of that. <laughs> I love oh, uh, yeah. I, I love though in the kitchen fight before the fight even starts, it's like he just mutilates Bat Boy and Hammer Girl, goes through the doors, boom, he's in this kitchen immediately. There's Knife Stash on the other side of the room, just kind of leaned back, arms crossed, just waiting for him. And the kitchen staff is just going about their business. They just stop, and it's there's a beat or two. 
and they just calmly set all their stuff down. It's like, okay, let them have the room. This is their time now. <laughs> it's like, never mind that we probably got food that's about to burn in the in the stove or that's nah, fine. This dish is getting cold. Needs to go out to them it's out there. Fine. We're making a combo, and it's very hard because you have to like you know kind of particleize the milk no 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 they, they need the room okay we're gonna leave now okay well, <laughs> um yeah because that's the that's the height of the fighting in this movie pretty much because like after that he goes to fight the actual mob bosses but he he i mean that's after they pick themselves fight. off he like kick he picks them off pretty easily no nah, yeah because like, ucho is not much of a fighter yeah uh, ucho's firing with a shotgun and he once he runs out of bullets, uh, Rama manages to stab him. And there's like a really huggy moment, which I'm like, man, wouldn't this have been great if you guys had had like a relationship? Yeah, because yeah, because you don't feel like he has any guilt or complicated feelings. Like he is, like you said, he's just the good guy. Yeah, it's really boring. Because <laughs> like the only other time they hang out, like Ram is just kind of like being the stick in the mud. Yeah, he doesn't want to drink. He doesn't want to sing. He doesn't want to have any fun. And he's he doesn't want to like, assault these girls. Get the girls out of here. And <laughs> That, and sticks a wire in his wallet, which was... Yeah, so that comes back later, so when... Amazingly, after, like, a move... After an hour and a half of movie... So, like, Beho ha- is forming an alliance with Ucho, and um, he... Uh, th- th- this I liked this a lot. So, they're meeting, and as kind of a consolation thing, like a, a, sh- a sign of good faith... Uh, Beho leads in a whole line of dudes stripped down to their boxers and it's the gang of dudes that were trying to kill Ucho in prison and he notices one of them has a tattoo on his wrist it's like a weird tribal like like bullhead thing yeah so then cut to this ending here where uh, Ucho or no, Beho's kind of he's dropped his cane he's making a fool they, they got top brass from the police there trying to work out a new deal since Bangoon is dead. Um, but uh, when he reaches down to get his cane, uh, Ucho sees that Beho's got the same tattoo as the guy that tried to kill him in prison. Which, Which is, is what like, you do. You just get the same tattoo, matching tattoos like your buddies when you exactly. have a gang. We need you to get all the way off our back about yeah, this. Yeah, if I'm going to hire you guys, you all have to get the same tattoos. Unless that was his it's brother. A, it's a gang thing. Shh. <laughs> You wouldn't get it. Yeah. But uh but anyways, uh watching Beho get his fucking whole face just blasted by the oh, shotgun. Yeah. No, that, so was, right. <laughs> that was a pretty that was a pretty juicy headshot. Yeah. You gotta see like just pieces of skin flapping away afterward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's they don't even really make a good big explosive like it looks like a very realistic headshot. You just yeah, see just... the whole flap of skull off to the side. Yeah, you're seeing in a in a wide shot essentially. Yeah. No, it's uh it's good. It's good. <laughs> there, this I love this one. And then at so the end, much. you know, he's just when the yakuza show up. It's like, okay, guys, gather all the guys. We're gonna go take on Beho, and they show up there, and like everyone's in like, pain. <laughs> they're either de- they're either dead or like, ow, my back, my I leg. I would have liked to have seen, uh, you know, like the hordes of yakuza guys fighting Batgirl and uh, Batboy and Hammer Girl in the same glass hallway. Oh, they'd all they would have all died. That those two would have murdered every one of them. <laughs> yeah, Rama's the only one that can handle them because he's the main character. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> but um, what what's your superpower? It's like I have main character armor. 
<laughs> I'm the good guy. I'm the protagonist. I'm the protagonist. Um, but uh, you know, one thing I meant, uh, I realized we didn't touch on, which I know we all laughed at in this one, is when Sad Dog is being assassinated. He's fighting all these dudes in the club, and he gets this one guy on the ground and just starts repeatedly fucking punching him in the side of the head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like. <laughs> It's probably how you got to do it, you know, because it's very hard to knock somebody out with one punch. But he's like just, yeah. like just super fucking rapid. Just like it's like a gun street... punching a guy in the go face. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. It's like a Street Fighter move. Just... Do, you remember, <laughs> do you remember in Age of Ultron where he's like got the thing that punches over and over again into the Hulk's face? <laughs> go to sleep. Go to sleep. Oh, yeah. That was great. That Hulkbuster fight's great. It's a good moment in Age of Ultron. Not a great movie overall, I know. Yeah. Uh, I liked it. How how I like James Spader? How Sad Dog kind of goes about in that club and fighting all those guys. It's you know it's it's very interesting because like he's having this chill time with Ucho and he's like trying to assure him, look man, your dad loves you. You just don't know it yet. You're gonna you're be gonna, a great crime boss one day. Once champ. you chill the fuck out, you're gonna be great because you're just like too angry. It's like if Simba hired the hyenas to kill Scar. So that eventually he could kill his dad and yeah. take over the pride. Damn, that's a that's a much sadder movie. <laughs> yeah. <right? laughs> Thanks for ruining Lion King for us now. <laughs> oh, what? I just offered an interesting like alternative where Scar's actually a, a like cool with his brother. I mean, you know, there's interpretations of Hamlet where his dad is actually like a despot. Oh yeah, I've seen like, that kind of stuff. Like his like the brother had to kill him to avoid you know like a war. And he had to marry the wife to avoid, you know, like further war. It's like I don't know. I don't want to give details, but it's also like Northman. No spoilers, though. That's as far as we're gonna say. No spoilers for Northman. Really good movie, but you know what? It would have made it better. <laughs> Vikings, Vikings doing sea, sea lot. <laughs> sea lot berserkers. Witness me. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know this. This movie has a lot of like epic Shakespearean character stuff. It's just like it's kind of trying to like take from all the like major aspects of crime, like directors and films that we know. Like you know, it's got the bombacity of uh, Takashi McKay. It's got the stylism of Guy Ritchie. It's got that style of uh, Tarantino. Yeah, it's, it's got, got the opera. It's got the opera of Coppola. You it's know? got that dirtiness of Scorsese. Yeah. Oh, and the dirtiness of uh, Nicholas Winding Refn, especially in this one. Like, because we didn't get that much like stylistic lighting in the first two movies, except like Marantau has like. But that's it's a little bit of neon. It's a little. It's it's mostly just blue because I think that's how the camera quality and the grain was set. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But in this one, we got a lot of great like neon and fun lighting. Like, no, you get it, experimented you get, in this one. You get like a thousand times more visual, like different environments. You know, it's like he, he, it's a huge leap in quality from the last one. Like, what makes me think is like, I do want to check out his TV show, Gangs of London, because this is very shaggy and like it clearly needed a longer narrative. And I know for a fact that he had to cut a shitload out of this movie. Where is it? Where's it going to be? Uh, Gangs of London. Yeah. I mean, it was on AMC. But who knows where it's oh, at so now? It was actually released, like yeah, not, yeah. not just straight to streaming or something like Apostle was. No, and I've seen I've seen some uh, I've seen some fight scenes, and it does. It's still still Gareth Evans, man. Okay, you know, just a lot more. It's a lot less um, precise because it's you know just British gangsters, just yeah, brawling. Which I don't know. It, it's a bummer to just have him go back to being a Guy Ritchie type. Let's see, where can you see this show? 
It started out on a streaming service that nobody had. It was like Sky TV or something. Oh, God. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember that. That's where it was. And I was like, I'm not going to pay for this just to watch a Gareth Evans show. Well, <laughs> according to Google, you can watch it with a premium subscription on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what it says. It's either that or Sling TV. Wait. Uh, or I Apple. just realized... I do have YouTube Premium. Shit, dude. Well, oh, shit. Oh, let's... fuck. I think we got to do this sometime. Let's watch Gangs of London. Woo! But before before we do that, do we want to... Oh, yeah. Let's, uh, ra- let's rate the Raid 2. Let's rate 2. But, uh, you know, uh, great set pieces, great action set pieces. It's a little... Sti- it's mostly stitched together. It's needed more time. Definitely like a TV like setting sort of thing where we could get to know these characters better. I almost wish we got Barenthal instead of the Raid 2 so that we could get a more interesting character than Rama slash Yuda. So with that in mind, I give it an 8 out of 10. That's, that's pretty fair. And um, God, I guess we're just going to have to agree to agree on this one. Okay. I'll go with 8 out of 10. All right. <laughs> I am going 10 out of 10 on this one. Interesting. I fucking Real. love this movie. I is one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. I fucking love this movie to no end. Yeah, no, we, don't watch these, very, we don't watch these for the script. It's got a very yeah, basic no. story that we've seen a million times before. But this time, the story kind of is a little looser. Doesn't quite make sense in some spots. But, you know, I don't give a fuck. This movie's fucking awesome. It's badass we watch rama just destroy a whole bunch of dudes we watch everyone destroy everyone and it fucking rules 10 10 for me i would kill to see a pitch meeting based off this in once upon a time in mexico oh <laughs> just like try to explain that to us i you know i think also briggs part of it is that you watched you, you've admitted that you watch this movie a lot of the time like you've seen oh, this yeah. movie multiple times i've seen this so many fucking times over the years so and I, th- I probably haven't seen it all from beginning to end since we saw it in the theater i would say same so i think that also kind of like is what, that was such what, an experience you know oh yeah, yeah for sure i think that's also what part partly hurts it in my mind is just that you know there's all this plot going on and you kind of need to do open it either either watch it multiple times sub or like put it on dub and suffer through the dubbing <laughs> or just well, do an edit where it's all fight scenes baby yeah, yeah that's the, all that matters that's, that's what I, we were doing when we were like catching up before halloween ends i was like let's just watch the kills you know <laughs> that's how we so watched what, watch the, the star kill wars count no we watched the movie and just skipped around a little bit yeah uh, mostly okay. we just skipped like the whole um mental health subplot of halloween kills oh <laughs> yeah exactly just kind of jumped to all the cool badass kill fight scenes but, but you know uh, like this trilogy overall um works pretty well i'd say just yeah. uh because you do have a character going through some interesting evolution even if it's not the same character yeah like the character kind of like well, the i don't know if the character Uko really Elias. learns yeah. too much if we if we were to say no. it's the same character it's still Good man doing the good thing as good as he can with the best fights that he can. I know it's a, it's kind of like this boring lesson that action movies have, which is that it's like you can be a good man, but there's still going to be bad people out there. And when you do fight those bad people, you got to be ready to fuck them up. But you got to be careful because you yourself could become a bad person, Alfred. <laughs> oh, you're doing you that, man. You were the best of us, Harvey. I thought you were doing uh, Rambo. You're the guy hero. I am, long to I am the people. law. Oh, gross. <laughs> and we're back at Dread. <laughs> Yay. So Dread, great movie. 
Yeah, so no, like anyway, overall the trilogy though. What would you uh, rate overall, this? Well, I mean, I want to talk a little bit more about yeah, some yeah, of the. Tri- yeah. Oh, okay. So like another thing, but the more important thing we kind of get from this trilogy is kind of like a technical improvement more than anything. Oh, absolutely. You know, as, like a di- as like a director, he gets way better. And like also the 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 set pieces, I think he learns to. Well, I don't know about that. He doesn't like the set pieces in Raid Two. Very much remind me of Marantau, where it's like we have this cool set piece. Back to story. We have this cool set piece. Back to story. No, Whereas that's the raid. It's kind of like it. The the set pieces and the and and the story kind of weave together a lot better. No, and the the raid, you know, is a perfect movie on its own. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. know. So it's like it's, it's hard. a good it's, one and done. So it's like yeah, having to make a sequel into the second one, it does feel a little, you know, it's con- it's a little contrived, mm. you know, and like, but uh, I can't fault him for ambition. But it it does build an interest. He kind of has his own little universe, as it were. Which I think is probably what he was going to get into. Like, I think we might have gotten more of the Yakuza and the Triad if he had done a third The Raid. A third of The Raid or a TV show of some sort. Imagine a Raid show. (laughs) That'd be pretty tight. Also, uh, you know, seeing the many, like, actors, you know, much like Tarantino or Kevin Smith, seeing the same actors coming back to play different roles. Oh yeah, like uh, like Mad Dog's actor, for instance. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we get to see him start out as like a semi-sympathetic bad guy, then a completely a-sympathetic bad guy, and then a super-sympathetic bad guy. Or there's uh, and then there's Alex Abad, who goes from like you know this like skeezy, sleazy scumbag, like kind of like pathetic character to like the mastermind of it all to the Iago. Yeah, and which is a really neat evolution of that character. And yeah, so like you know, if you want to watch like a good, interesting evolution of like Sealot in cinema, like these are the three movies that kind of like set it off. And which is why I give it an eight out of ten. Eight out of ten trilogy, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm right there with you. But um, so yeah, we're uh, we're we're winding, winding down, down 2022, you guys. And Oof, what a year it's been, guys. We've we've talked about some incredible movies this year. I've I've uh, it's been a great time, guys. It it's it's been a lot of fun, and I know uh, December is gonna be just as busy as October. I understand because I think we're gonna try to crank out two episodes for December, and so I want to do something we've never done before, which is a end of year wrap up. Yeah. yeah, which what would that be like? We each come with like three films we like this year. Three films from twenty twenty two, and yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna recommend them to you guys. What is the, what are the trilogies that made twenty twenty two great for each of us? So it would each or, of us would have a a trilogy of films that we would just briefly touch on. Yeah, and we're gonna try to make sure there's no overlap. And yeah. also talk about like our favorite episodes, our favorite moments, you know. Yeah, no, it's be been fun. A, it's been a fun ass year, you guys, and um, our first full season coming to a close. Yeah, but one thing we decided after doing Lord of the Rings last year is that we want to save December to do a giant of a trilogy. And so, obviously, last year Lord of the Rings was the obvious choice since Fellowship was twenty years old. And so, you know, wow. throughout throughout this yeah. show, you know, you look back at the other episodes and we do cover some well-known stuff like we did The Mummy earlier this year. We did Godfather back in March. But then we also cover a lot of niche stuff, you know, like the Tommy Jarvis trilogy from Friday the 13th, the or Dream trilogy from Nightmare. Pusher. Pusher. Yeah. This. Pusher is, <laughs> put, I wonder if Pusher is the most obscure trilogy we've done. I think so. It's gotta be. Yeah. But, um... So we decided, we're like, okay, 
what do we want to do for December 2022? And we've decided, you know, we've already done Lord of the Rings, gotten it out of the way. So what's the next big epic trilogy we can do? And we unanimously decided that we are going to cover... Alvin and the Chipmunks. (laughs) We're going to cover the Star Wars trilogy next month. But... That's right. But there is a catch because, see, as of 2019, the main continuity Star Wars series is now a trilogy of trilogies. And here's the thing. We're not going to tell you which one we're going to cover until we announce the episode when it drops. That's right. What do you think is it going to be? Is it going to be the good one? Or the good one, or the or really the good, good one. one. <laughs> yeah, which one are we going to talk about? I, I guess you just have to wait and see which of these movies we're going to be uh, talking about. I hope that there's not any phantom bad guys that are going to attack us and strike and back. get revenge and uh, re- or return and or return or awaken and be the last of us and be the last of the rise. I just hope this isn't a clone of La- of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I offered I'm, to do I'm the very, Hobbit, but we decided no. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm I'm really looking forward to this, not only because of the trilogy that we have decided to pick, because we already know what we're doing, but uh, also just because you know it's it's fun talking about Star Wars. You know, no, we no. all grew up with Star Wars. Hell yeah, I associate Christmas time with Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. same. Like, this is what I'm gonna get, like some good shit, man. And you mm-hmm. know, there's like elements of Star Wars. I think each of us like like better than others. When it, you know, like no, this will be a good time to like really get into the nitty gritty because I don't know how many times we've actually watched Star Wars together. I feel like Star I don't Wars think we've ever watched it together, or at least I know I've never watched with you guys. No, me and Sam yeah. have been watching Star Wars movies together for as long as they've been making them. Yeah, like, okay. while we're out there, you know, exactly. So you know, it'll be an interesting time to explore, and I hope you guys enjoy what we have to discuss. Yeah. So so just for housekeeping and uh, scheduling purposes, a Star Wars trilogy will be coming up next at the beginning of December or close to the beginning of December and then close to the end of the month, probably I'm guessing around the holidays, we'll drop the uh, trilogies of 2022 episode. Yeah, it's going to be right before New Year's. Yeah, it's our uh, New Year's uh, just chilling time. It's our gift, our Christmas gift that you didn't ask for to you guys. We're like Santa. Uh, More unwarranted opinions from Team Insomniac. (laughs) But uh, we are... In the at, meantime, at Team Insomniac Films, and we're at Team Insomniac FL on Twitter for now. Yeah, for now. Wait, what, what's well, that? Twitter's been taken over. <gasps> oh yeah, it's about to get devalued. Uh oh. I do wonder if we should do our part. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, don't. I'm not but, redacted. And we're also uh, we've been we've been pretty busy lately with a lot of the film circuit. Uh, we've been showing some of our short films, we and got, we have a new YouTube channel. Yeah, I was just about to say we've been posting up a lot of the shorts. We did uh, no sleep till Halloween the week before leading up to halloween so should have promoted that during some of our halloween episodes but we didn't know we were going to do it so so <laughs> and but we got some very exciting films that you guys should check out we got our classics like dino soldier we have oh, god's dino lips we, we got have rabid night which my dad watched for the first time and he really liked yeah just to go over it a little bit rabid night is about you know a uh, a nice uh couple that suffers no, polyamorous trio a polyamorous trio suffers a horrible tragedy and get swift vengeance on three slashers. An yes. equally polyamorous 
couple. Yeah, it's it's two polyamorous trios fighting each other. And then <laughs> Dino Soldiers, our classic uh, duo of Bobot and Punchies, a robot detective and a heavy metal hitman clown solving the mystery of who's killing people in the Ed Woods. I'll bet y'all will never guess who played the heavy metal clown. Yeah. <laughs> the only heavy metal clown we know. My favorite part of that was smashing a plate over Julian's head in hindsight. <laughs> I just really love... Uh, I don't want to spoil it, but... <laughs> just what, what happens? What happens? What happens in the end? <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers. Still, but... uh it's hard to top that. Yeah. No, we, we got we it's a treasure trove of what we think is pretty good stuff. So it's on YouTube. What's the channel name? For Team Insomniac Films. There you we go. And uh we pro- we got more to come. We've just been some of our newer ones have been showing up in festivals and more contests than uh, we really thought we thought Bobby Drowns is really killing it across yep. the board. Very stoked on that one. We shot a forty eight earlier this year that's gonna be dropping. Yep, I hope so, you're excited to see that one. They, uh, they, I think they didn't they invite us to come back to the next round or something recently. Yeah, you know but I'm going to do that because I like pain. Yep. So, yeah, <laughs> we all do. So in addition to shooting a podcast, in addition to doing two podcast episodes in December, I got to shoot a 48. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can do it. We can do it. You guys will help me, right? Yeah, yeah, guys. Maybe. Hello. Sure. <laughs> we'll see. All right, now you guys got socials. Yeah, you can uh, follow me for my artwork at Big Boss Tune on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You and if, again? We, I don't know. If we don't say it enough, but you kill it with these covers, man. Oh yeah. well, thank you. If, uh, you got, if you like these covers, Sam, in addition to being a super funny dude and very insightful, he draws the covers for us every fucking month. Also, yeah, he's a champ. Also, just did Inktober for October, and boy, oof, just really just like boy, firing them out like crazy. My arms are killing me. And then, uh, if you're interested in any heavy metal goings on completely unrelated to heavy metal clown punchies from dino soldier uh you can follow me at briggs underscore metal revolution to catch updates on my radio show that i do every week on wbum 90.5 fm the voice and you did a pretty cool uh, you did a pretty cool column on some uh oh yeah i yeah. I contributed a uh, they invited me for october to contribute a piece to the wvum blog about uh horror movies to watch this season and you know i decided you know everyone does the best horror movies to watch this time of year like what are the classics what are the essentials every chump does that fucking list and i wasn't about to do it so i decided to go for uh more underrated gems that uh maybe you have seen and well four underrated gems and one recent juggernaut but uh yeah, I ended up throwing Phantasm, Hereditary, Trick or Treat, Black Sunday, and Devil Rides Out on the list. So that was pretty fun. Very fun movies. And um, yeah, man, you know, that's uh, we'll keep it rolling. Keep it rolling into 2023. Looking forward to some Star Wars next month. Fuck yeah, let's finally do a trilogy with my, that my girlfriend can watch with us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But until also then, my, my wife. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, man, we might just have to make this a big group watch. Fuck yeah. All right. Take classes in you.